Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dope as Usual podcast. My name is Thomas Dope as Yola. This is Marty O'Neill. What's up? And this is the Dope as Usual podcast. We're here to talk about life, problems, drugs, accomplishments, and everything in between. I'm trying to, and if you know me personally, you know how fucking hyped I am right now. Marty knows. Everybody knows. Guys, today's guest is a uh, legendary ass Steve-O. Thank you so much for yeah, being dude. here. Thanks, dude. Man. Damn, that was scary. That sound was scary as shit. This fucking DJ horn. Let's oh, go. you don't hear it. He's putting fucking horns on. Yeah. Just imagine. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Um, I'm good, man. <laughs> so, I, before we, I know we were talking before. I didn't even want to say it. I, uh, I've been watching Jackass since the sixth grade. I watched yeah. it the day it came out. How old are you now? 32. Yeah, I've been so, watching it. So you got you, it was like, you got it right when it started. Right when it started. I mean, I, before you can go out and do drugs with your friends, you sit at home and go, what's coming on at 8? Simpsons. So MTV is like, new show. This dude jumped a river and broke his ankle. Go, this is the new shit we're watching then. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, you think that, okay, you were 12 when it came out, and like that's just like the like the ultimate like you know you grew up with it you know but what's so alarming you know and and i'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything but like i feel very much like uh matthew mcconaughey's character in that movie uh Dazed and confused oh he says they keep getting i get older they they just stay the same age because dude like it it's 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 uncomfortable the way that like there's like now in 2021 there's 12 year olds that are like no way i can't even believe it you know like i don't even know what i attribute that to i mean i suppose i like i've been um you know active i've I've kind of evolved into like the youtube space and everything like that like uh but i just don't quite understand how such a young demographic is still like you know coming oh, on board i know you're in, you are in jackass so you don't see it you got to remember you guys are still the coolest motherfuckers out man no matter what you guys are the group that everybody wants to fucking hang out with for the rest of their lives no matter what well, everybody thanks, goes man forever man i know you're sitting here but you guys already know i'm fucking excited i've, I've been a fan i've watched every single thing you guys have ever done i watched every cky i got them all I'm just hyped i know you guys weren't cky but yeah, I get. Hyped, I, uh, I I was never. I had zero appearances. In yeah, no, life. it was it was done before you guys even started. But that's our group. You know what I'm saying? Uh, sure. The skater kids. All my friends are skaters. Or then this came out and like shopping cart. Fuck. Did it once. Go. I'm out. I'm too fucking fat to be falling like that, guys. And that was it, man. But nice. we had our we had our years of it. Um, I remember I was telling Marty in sixth grade I got the first jackass shirt. You guys dropped with all of you on the front. Um, oh yeah, I don't even remember Jack I shared with all of us on the front. Yeah, I had it. It was a, uh, I think there was a flag on it too. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, but I remember the skull and crossbones. It said Jackass, and I got it sixth grade. I walked in. And I remember the picture. <laughs> t- I remember taking the picture with the flag. Oh well, I was, that was the like, shirt. Still awake in the, uh, you know, the, uh, on like day two or three of a cocaine bender. And it was like <laughs> the last thing we did was shot that photo, and then we had to go like to the airport or something. Yeah, dude, I remember uh, I watched the, sh- watched the show. And you remember as a kid, you watch something, the next day you come back, and everybody's like, did you see what the fuck happened last night on TV? Because it wasn't, there was no internet. It's pre, pre-internet. There, there was internet, but, it, but, but videos were really not playing on the internet yet. No, like E-Bombs World and Rotten.com were like the only things you could see crazy shit. But I remember coming back to school, 
And that was it, man. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I saw audio video inputs on a computer, I was like, what? Like, damn, that, you know. Because for me, like, growing up, like, trying to come up and, and, and get attention meant like plugging two VCRs together, like recording on these VHS cassette tapes and like playing play on one and record on the other. And I would do that like to like, that was my, my process of editing. Then once I had the edited tape, I'd put that in the original one, hit play and record. And I would just do that and duplicate these tapes. Then physically walk with these cassette tapes to the post office and mail them like to like anybody who I thought would watch them. And like, it's such a different world today to be able to upload some shit. And, oh, yes. One, two know. buttons and you get a, a mass text, a mass post. And it's such a fascinating question to, to ponder. Like, had I been born 20 years later and like be coming up in like, you know, in what you came up in with it, with you, would I have, been able to to pull it off you know like in in a different landscape and without sounding like a you know a, a pompous douchebag i genuinely believe that i'm such a tireless and just persistent attention whore that i would have pulled it off like no matter no matter what right. time i didn't think that's what you're gonna say i thought you're gonna say my work ethic would have persevered same no thing yeah, yeah i mean i'm just like i'm a tireless fucking attention uh -huh. whore and and that 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 that's by the way my title for like just you know if somebody's gonna ask me it's like well you've you've written a book you've been in you know movies you do stand up comedy like you it's a good title you, for you know it, like like you've I've done so many different things in sort of the field of of uh, media or whatever in the the general world of media that like it's you know it's a, it's a legitimate question like do we call you a stuntman do we call you an actor do we call you a comedian like do we call you an author and i'm like dude i straight up that's all i am is an attention whore like every <laughs> like like regardless of what i've done i could say within probably like a, a less than a percentile margin of error a hundred percent of the decisions i make are based on attention seeking you know like or at least any major decisions but that's your business though it's different. right and and now like it, here's the 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 crazier thing is that like while i say that as you know uh, somewhat self-deprecating like i'm taking a jab at myself You're like oh yeah i'm an attention whore like it's not a flattering title to give oneself however I really think that you could take a, a, a very, very like just big picture look at how the world operates and arrive at the conclusion that the attention of human beings is the single most valuable commodity known to exactly. man. It, it truly is. I mean, if you look at like Super Bowl commercials and how yeah. much like it costs, like does how much of the world's economy is driven by advertising revenue will tell you that attention is, yeah. you know, like You've been running up the views yeah. forever. Like, right. Right. So, so like, that, that's my deal. I don't know what even got me on that. It's, fucking like, <laughs> it's important random. to acknowledge that the value is what they paid the millions of dollars for. For sure. In the views, in that attention that you right. figured out how to do as a young boy, basically just doing crazy shit. Nobody's even now, I feel like nobody's really been in your lane. No. Nobody's like, uh, I mean, I, you see I, people I pop not, up and go, not, oh, you're doing Steve-O shit, but not as cool. 
with a person <laughs> with a personality that's for everyone. Like it's yeah. I I think that that, that that's you know complimentary. I'm flattered and I'm grateful. Um, but I think uh, I think there's plenty of people, you know, particularly now. Like like here's something interesting, which is that it's true that when Jackass came out, still the video camera was not yet a household item. Yes. You know, like, it, like I mean, sure, a lot of people had them, but I remember when, when I started making videos and I was uh, 15 years old in 1990 when I made my first video and it was just like shitty skateboarding. But at that time, there were only enough home video cameras like it just in the general like public's possession to generate content for like one TV show, which was called America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> I think they still have that yes. show to this day. Of course. And that was just like you know like like if there was footage, then that's that show was just got by on how many cameras there were. Yep. Then gradually, like say through like you know, through the 1990s, then, you know, clearly more people started acquiring video cameras, but still I wouldn't consider it. You had to be uh, well off or like a dad. Hell yeah. Right. yeah. Uh-huh. It, it, was, it was a luxury item, yeah. And um, still there, it, there weren't enough people who had video cameras, I don't think, to consider it a common household item. But, there, but the, increasingly more people got video cameras. So we saw more TV shows pop up which were based on home video camera mm. footage and not necessarily comedy like america's funniest home videos was like a family friendly friendly mm. comedy show but then we saw other shows like real tv yes mm. i was gonna say yeah which by the way was my first tv show that i was ever on no Whoa. shit i watched that every week it was it was it. it was pretty gnarly I, man like, what did you do how'd you get on that if you had to mention it, Jesus Christ. Oh, that's the first thing I was like, <laughs> real TV? Real TV was like, yeah. you know, like caught on tape, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and they had these um, these commercials which said, uh, you know, real TV. And, and, and I, I guess it was the commercial that promoted the actual, you know, episodes airing. And also, or maybe it was on the show itself. But if you have any footage that you think we should see, call this number and contact us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, 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 well, it was... The very beginning of 1999, and, and I called up the number on the screen and, and, and just left a voicemail, voicemail saying, um, my name is, you know, I probably called myself Steve-O because I had been Steve-O since like 93. And, and uh, you know, but, but I'm Stephen Glover, a.k.a. Steve-O. And I, I, <laughs> I, it's not that I have footage that you might want to see. Uh-huh. Like, I... I actually have footage that you need badly. Nice. You're fucking <laughs> yes. hurting for it. You Pitching know, like yeah. you're fucking hurting for it. And um, <laughs> and and I I put together a reel of like the the you know, best quality because my shit was like like uh, just degraded from being taped from back and <laughs> forth. And oh, the, I can't imagine. Then so many oh, like. You know, so many generations of of recording uh, down like what, <laughs> you know downgrading, yeah. but but whatever I had that was like really like reasonably good quality of of uh, resolution and uh, like you know quality of of content, I put it all together on one videotape and I sent it to them. And sure enough, man, they they called me back and they said that they wanted. Um, that they were very interested in acquiring the footage of me 
setting myself on fire on top of the roof of uh, the three-story apartment building and then uh, doing the simultaneous fire-breathing front flip off the roof of the of the building, where I landed in five feet of water, and, and I'm six feet tall. Five feet of water. And, and my reaction, my reaction was like, I was like, out of all the shit that I fucking sent you, that's that's all you want? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, you, you want you, you, that's, that's it? You want that? And, and and you know, I mean, I was like, of course, being like. Uh, kind of cocky about it. Man, I was talking to somebody on the phone. I said, yeah, no, that, that, that's the one we like. That's what we want. And here's what we, we want to give you, $500 for cool. exclusive rights to your footage. Oh, God. Now I was like, I'd never heard the, ter- the term exclusive rights. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? And they're like, well, that means that, uh, that, that we would own it from that point and we would, own, we would be the only ones who own it. You know, like you don't own it anymore. And, and and that just sounded fucking awful to me, you know? I remember thinking, like... Oh, you didn't want to do that. Well, I mean, give it away, and then what, I can't do anything with it ever yeah. again? Yeah, that's For 500 true. bucks? Mm-hmm. Like, that's your first deal. Probably 500 is a lot if you're young and, like, broke and shit. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, even at that time, I had, like... You know, I had fucking ambitions. I never thought that it would be like that. I would be a household name or anything, but but I really fucking was trying to work towards some kind of something that I could call a career, yeah. and that to, to strip me of the rights to that footage would really be like yeah, yeah. that. That footage could no longer work for me to get me to whatever my my goal was. Yeah, it's you not know? worth it. Then I, I get it. And so I remember, like, hanging up. I was just like, oh, man, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'll get back to you or whatever. And I called up my dad, who was, you know, like, uh, people generally know. that My dad was a wildly successful corporate executive. And I called him up, and I was like, dad, dad, dad. And I explained the situation, and dad said, hey, it, like, calm down, man. You know, like, like, calm down. It's not fucking complicated. Take a deep breath. You know, ask yourself like, uh, like at which point is is it a deal breaker? Mm. And draw a line in the sand and stick to it. He says, from what I'm hearing you tell me, it sounds like exclusivity is a deal breaker. So why don't you go back to them and say, hey, uh, I'm not comfortable with giving up exclusive rights. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you non-exclusive rights, which means that you can include it on your TV show. But I can, I still own it every bit the same way that I did, and I can continue to exploit it, for, you know, forever. And uh, I'll give you non-exclusive rights, and but you have to give me a thousand bucks for that. Oh, nice. you came back at him. Goes, how about this? Give me more, and fuck you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did I it work? Like, yeah. Okay. I totally got it. I got a thousand bucks, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was on the TV show, and I continued to mm-hmm. to own the footage. And what's crazy about that too? Is that uh, that was the the first um, the first contract that I ever had, which was uh, like a legitimate like entertainment within like the entertainment world, and and my dad like helped me with that, you know, mm-hmm. and it was that's so significant because I had dropped out of college in 1993. I told everybody, I'm going to fucking, they're like, what, what are you going to do now? You just got kicked out of the dorms for fucking, for smashing out, <laughs> I smashed out the window on the fucking 12th floor balcony and fucking 
climbed through over onto the roof and then I'm climbing up a radio tower on the roof of a 12-story so you're building. You're doing crazy reckless shit without oh people filming you just on your free time. Yeah. One of my earliest fucking clips from, from back then was uh, on that same 12-floor balcony and I'm hanging off the railings by my bare hand like over 12 stories. I've seen that stories. shit. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, uh, I, I was going for it, man. And um, so they, they saw me up on this on this radio tower they called the cops and I'm still up there I'm all fucking drunk and pounding booze and, and the cops come onto the roof and they're like oh, you know so I got kicked out of the dorms I was already failing classes and then I upped and just fucking took off and, mm. and, and dropped out so like as I'm like getting ready to physically leave the campus I'm dropping out like I'm loading up a van with this fucking kid and we're gonna drive from where we were this was at the University of Miami we're gonna drive to Northern California to go get try and get jobs at Squaw Valley Ski Resort in Lake Tahoe so random yeah like uh, because that's how I'm gonna become a crazy stomach people are like I'm like what are you gonna fucking do now you know like you fucking blew it and I was like oh dude I've got like I'm going to fucking become a crazy famous stuntman by, by videotaping myself doing fucking stunts with a home video camera. Mm. And that's it. And like literally every fucking single person that I, that I expressed this plan to legitimately felt sorry for me uh, because there was no fucking precedent for that. No, you, you know, were talking like, about yeah. even a lane that didn't exist. It, not it did not fucking exist. If you were going to be a stunt man, like, okay, maybe that would be a viable career, but for God's sakes, you don't fuck, you're not going to pull it off with a home video camera. You know, <laughs> yeah. like there was no, I, I was a hundred percent talking about forging like my own lane, which had never existed. People felt sorry for me. And, and like, honestly, like it didn't go well, man. Like I was homeless for, for the next three years after that. Oh you know? shit. Yeah. Like bouncing. I mean, you say homeless. It's a strong Sir, couch word. Yeah. I was a couch surfer. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and whatever it was, like after three years of being homeless, then uh, I found out about the, the clown college, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey mm -hmm. Clown College. And I remember thinking, well, fuck, if I can get into clown college for Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, then all of a sudden I'll be a bona fide trained circus professional. Take you serious. And people take yeah. me more seriously. So I'm the only asshole in history I ever went to clown college to be taken seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're on some eight mile shit. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Eight mile clown college. Eight mile of fucking stuntman. And, and, uh, and so <laughs> the, 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 the point of all this is that when I, my, my successful corporate executive businessman father, like, you know, when I dropped out of college, I didn't even, like, wasn't even in contact with him. He didn't know what the fuck was going on with me. And our relationship was, like, not really good because, like, I wasn't doing fucking anything that he was stoked on, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, and, and, and then even when I went to clown college, my dad was not fucking back in that. When I was dropping out of college and saying, I'm going to become a stuntman... The, the little contact that I had with my dad was that he went to the like local library and did like a bunch of research on like the, the, like, you know, new advances in uh, like um, CGI technology. And he came back and said, Hey, you're talking about being a stuntman, but like I'm doing all this research, which indicates that 
the job of stuntman is going to be made completely obsolete mm. oh, because shit. they're just doing, they're just creating yeah. these, effects. these, uh, these effects. So like you're going in and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, dad, well, whatever. <laughs> like what I'm going to do is find a like, crew of fucking crazy dudes yeah. and we're going to fucking cruise around and we're going to do stunts. Elephant shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and I just wasn't here, you know, but so, my, so the point is that my, like my, like whole plan was was something that really like dad dad did everything he could to try to talk me out of it he did everything he could to to like resist it to just shit on it you know and like <laughs> and when i went to clown call dad wasn't backing that either mm. and uh you know that like so from like 1993 i went to clown college in uh 97 and then it was in 1998 they, like all those years, my dad and I, our relationship was strained as fuck. Ugh. Strained as fuck. We were like, I was not doing well. I was fucking homeless. Mm-hmm. I was, I was straight, hurting, struggling. Is that why? I had. Well, I mean, yeah, but like, I'm saying financially. It, I just like financially, I like, I had enough pride that I that I didn't. Really, was, I didn't no, ask. Yeah. I'd rather sleep on the fucking streets than say, Dad, yo, I need money. You know, like, what is clown college like? Like, what's a day at clown like college camp. like? There was, there was like boot you, camp doing flips. And Where is it? Like, out of it was in Florida. They ended up like like can't like ending it. But but uh, yeah, Dad wasn't back in it. Our relationship hadn't been that great. And then in 1998, Dad took it on himself. To, to like he waited until we were in person and he said he said hey like along the lines like i want to acknowledge that like that my uh that I, I i he says i think that i have done a disservice to you by not supporting you in this career path that you're clearly like mm. like dedicated mm. to he says and 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 frankly i chose a career path that my father like wasn't super thrilled about either. And my dad said the same thing to me. He said, you're not doing what I would have chosen for you to do, but since you're clearly committed to what you're doing, I just want to pledge my support to you oh. and and uh, and for you to be like as good as you can be at it. Were you successful at all? I had not made a fucking penny. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's so, that's yeah. what's that's so, it's such a yeah. great question. And, it, and it's so... Like just kind of gives me goosebumps to this day because I think a lot of people who 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 uh, do achieve like great success in uh, in entertainment, like and and then like they got a bunch of people jumping on the bandwagon, you know, and mm, and course. and I, I it really comes down to the fact that I ha- I mean I had had a little bit of a, a couple photos in skateboard magazines that I had not been paid to, to you know to anything. Dope, though. I didn't yeah. get paid shit for anything. Were you I, a legit skater? I was a legit skater, but I was I, I wasn't that great and when I was featured in skateboard magazines, it was never a picture of me skateboarding. It was like, <laughs> oh, this asshole lighting himself on fire. <laughs> you know, yeah. like this guy jumping off yeah. this building like It's just tight though, man. But dude, I was stoked. Hell man. yeah. I, I, I was stoked. But uh, yeah, I had nothing to fucking brag. I had not got, I had not made any money. I had, I had not achieved anything. And then Dad said, "I, I pledge to support you." And and then like it was like after that conversation, and then like with the real TV thing, and I'm like, and I'm like, Dad, nice. Like it put wind in my sails. Yeah, oh, motivation, yeah. man. Yeah. But, and so so then so before I got anywhere. Like I got like dad was 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 backing me. 
dad was supporting me. And like that very first deal ever that I ever got, dad worked it out with me. Nice. And, and so like, it, it's such a, 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 something I'm so profoundly grateful for. It's such a massive point for me to make that, that the, the wonderful relationship I have with my father today is not, it's not that I have a great relationship with my dad because I'm successful. Rather, I'm successful because I have a great relationship with wow, my dad. That's and that's that a good look, man. I like that. That's that really cool. That's fucking huge. Yes. I fucking love yeah, that, actually. That's a fucking huge yes. distinction, yeah. man. And, uh, and yeah, dude, it's, it's killer, man. Not a lot of performers <laughs> can say that. Right. Experience that. Yeah, and, and it's so funny, too, because, like, my dad's, like, a human calculator, you know? He's just, like, straight, like, logic, you know? Like, mm. and, and, and there's, there's been so many things over the years that dad's just, like, it's not, he doesn't fucking get it. He doesn't alligators? Care, like, like, alligators? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, you know, and, and, and to an extent, like, he'll be, like, a little worried, you know? Like, like, yeah. like, son, how can it be safe for you to swim with sharks when you've got meat strapped all over you, you know? I'm That's like, a fear. I'm gonna swim with sharks. I got a son I'd be with like, bait on me. Yeah. And I was uh, like, Dad, well, Manny was there. <laughs> Duh. Oh, the, the, the animal, yeah, the yeah, animal man. Yeah, yeah. The Tarzan dude. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I watched something. Your dad is a straight corporate man running yeah. Pepsi in Brazil. Yeah, he was the president of Pepsi Cola in mm. all of Brazil oh. when I was six months old. Wow. So that's that's why yeah, we lived in. I was born in England. Yes. We moved to. Brazil when I was six months old and I spoke my first words in Portuguese because um, I was, I saw very little of my parents as a baby. I, they had live-in maids. Oh, so you grew and up it was the live-in, the live-in maids were the only people who spent any meaningful time with me, yeah. which is why one of my first words came out. I had learned, I'd said spoken Portuguese because I was learning That's to really speak from, yeah. from the maids. The, so, your parents are straight up like Richie Rich style, the movie. Um, I mean, I guess like... Uh, I'm saying in terms of they're not really there. Oh, I, yeah, I suppose, yeah. And even if they were there, like... like I mean, okay, so I, mean, I learned to speak in, in, uh, in Brazil, born in England. And, and mind you, my mom was born in Canada and my dad was born in America. So my mom being Canadian makes me a Canadian. My dad being American makes me American. Nice. Me being born in England makes me British. So I have three valid passports. I'm triple. No shit. Yeah, triple. I've never heard of that. I didn't know that was. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, I'm a. I'm, I'm a. It's it's called triple national. I'm I'm legitimately a citizen of three different countries, and I have valid passports for each, each one of them. Awesome. The other thing is that I spoke my first words in Portuguese, and I went on to speak fluent Portuguese. Today, today, do you still speak it? No, but no. but uh, it's in there, man. When I was in summer school, or no, sorry, when I was in summer camp, uh, in uh, like when I was eleven years old, they, like they there was some kids from not Brazil, but they were from Portugal, and both countries speak Portuguese. And uh, and they were like, dude, fucking in your sleep last night, you're speaking fucking Portuguese. <laughs> oh shit! I spoke three languages fluently by the age of three. What the fuck? And forgot two of them completely by the age of five. <laughs> I used to speak Spanish when I was a kid, so I get it. That's a yeah. lot. I don't speak Spanish now. So. It's because when I was two years old, we moved from Brazil to Venezuela. And I spoke fluent Spanish in nursery school. And I was speaking English. So I spoke Portuguese, Spanish, and, and English. 
And then, like, by the time I was five, I just didn't use English or Portuguese anymore. So that just went away. In, in one sense, you think, okay, so you learned three languages and then you forgot two of them, you stupid fucking fuckface dumbass. You're a little kid, you know, what a waste. <laughs> what a waste, because if, if anybody had been mindful to keep me speaking those languages, yeah. then I, I would, it would be a very useful tool for, for sure. me to have to be able to speak three yeah. different languages. To be bilingual, let alone bilingual, but, but trilingual would, would be fucking epic. Um, and, and I lost those languages, which is a shame. But I, on the other hand, it's uh, it's like I believe like a, a scientific fucking fact that when babies learn multiple languages, that that just by the virtue of learning multiple languages at such a young age when your brain is developing, that like that you end up using more of your brain. Like, I can see that being uh, true. So while I'm a fucking loser for forgetting two languages, like I came out on top, I think yeah. for for learning them in the first place. I yeah. think that that developed my brain and and some like sure. for sure way. it does. Like when they play Mozart when people are pregnant, just opening up brains. I think, yeah. especially having to go. Yes, oh yeah, that's just one language. For a kid, that's a smart fucking kid. I mean, I guess it's just, here's the other thing. It's fucking easy for babies to learn two languages. You know, like if you wait until you're an adult to learn like additional languages, it's harder than shit. But for, but for babies, it's just like, you know, babies, toddlers, whatever. Like when you're like, when you're malleable, you're, you're so malleable. You're like a sponge. You just soak everything up. And so I learned those languages easier than shit. And I think Mm -hmm. that that probably speaks to why it's beneficial to learn languages when you're so young, because, uh, you know, you're taking advantage of this ability to learn, which yeah. is, you know. That's true. And your brain's not full of all of growing up shit in your brain. You know what I'm right. saying? I feel it's like the core memories that you remember. And I, yeah. And I think, too, that that just like uh, because because when you're a baby, you don't have like the, the necessity of learning to learning the language is like. You know, you don't have any other way to do it. Yeah. So you're like, I think that, that like there's something to it, man. It's like, here, here's a, a controversial position which i've said before and people have been like yo you got to edit that out you know go for it i don't give a fuck you don't have to edit this out leave that shit in this is my position is that like if you want to go fishing and catch a fish as i understand it you have to get a license to catch a fucking fish yeah like the things that you have to get a license to do are like pretty, you know. Yeah. However, any fucking asshole can become a parent. Can yeah. be, and you don't have to oh, get a yeah. license. No qualifications. You don't have to get any qualifications. You can you can create a, a human being for society to deal with. Right. Yeah. And and I Busting think. Nuts. I think that's fucked up. It is. It is. I think that, like, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know that there's any kind of a, of a, of a really practical or, or reasonable solution to the issue unless there's you were, unless you were going to like, like, like when a baby gets uh, circumcised, you give them a vasectomy at the same that's time. That's the only way, right? And then put them back together later on well, in life. Yeah, and and I don't know why, like the the whoa, that'd be crazy. The whole um idea of of you can get a vasectomy and then a vasectomy reversal is uh is, is absolutely silly. I I got a vasectomy. Oh no shit! Like, yeah, I don't want to. What age? Uh, I got it like in 2018. Oh, so you're set on uh, kids? Are not for me. 
Yeah, I got. I found my girl, and and she, and, you know, we're engaged. We don't want to fucking have kids, and and so yeah. So I, I went ahead and, and did it. Now I learned a, like a fair amount about like the vasectomy deal, and um, what a vasectomy does is you've got your balls where the sperm are are like created, you know, generated, and um, the there's a tube. Uh, uh, connected to each ball, uh, called Seminal a vesicle, it's called right? a vas deferens, vas deferens, and and so the 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 vas deferens delivers the sperm from your balls to your wiener, and then that's like uh, where the blast comes out. I'm about to go through this. Pretty sure, dude. I'm it's up epic. against this shit right now. It's epic. Just go. You ready? Have enough? Right. I'll do it. So uh, For sure, got enough. So the 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 guy I, think, I forget what my question was it was like vasectomy reversal and the, the 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 doctor told me said that's just silly because because even though like all the vasectomy means is that they're they're uh, cutting the vas deferens which is that tube they're disrupting the delivery of the sperm to the wiener so that it just can't come out yeah. and and uh, nothing that they're doing in cutting that tube uh, like stops the sperm from being made in, in the in the balls yeah. so while it's not like uh particularly painless i gather like what you can do if you decide to have children after getting vasectomy is have sperm extracted from the balls which as i understand it would mean that they've got to literally stick a needle into your ball and then like extract sperm that way and that doesn't sound very comfortable at all. But Sounds I, like some shit you would be doing on a video. Right. <laughs> right. For sure. Yo, For don't sure. say that shit out loud. For, it, it, it does. It does. And, and I got I to gotta believe that you could be put under for that procedure. You have to be. But, but what, what, what I'm getting to is that I think that the people, men and women, both parents, should have to get a fucking license to become parents. I really believe strongly in that. It's not, a, and, it's not even a bad idea. And I think that like it, that uh, that one of the like one of the requirements to get that license should be uh, you know taking a legit college level course in developmental psychology. Mm. Which is like one of the few college courses that not, not I didn't just make it through, but I got like an A. Nope, nope, I, I, I was fascinated by it. <laughs> I, I, I was fascinated by it, and like I remember this from all the way back in the '90s. But in this in this psychology course, there was uh, it talked about uh, this this. Uh, fucking scientist whatever this psychologist and this guy his, his name was I think he was a French guy his name was Piaget and he came, he came up with Piaget's uh, theories of developmental psychology and what was so fucking fascinating about it was that he he his his research indicated that the very first experiences that a human being has like right out of the womb, you know, like whatever, like very first fucking experiences are the ones which have the most profound, lasting impact on that. So, so, so what happens to a fucking baby will determine for the rest of that fucking baby's life what type of a person that is. And he, and he narrowed it down to like very specific things, like uh, like when the baby just comes home from the hospital. If the baby is 
is when the baby's crying, it's going to happen. The baby's going to cry in its crib. And like how you handle the baby crying in the crib, it, it speaks volumes about how this baby's going to develop. Mm-hmm. Like it, for example, if the baby's crying and because the baby's just scared, it doesn't fucking know what's going on. It's, it's crying. And like whatever happens right there is this is its first, its first view. The first thing it learns about the whole world. Mm-hmm. You know, and if like, and I know that my dad even made a point as a point of pride. He says, I'm not going to go in there and fucking reward him for crying. And then it's going to give him a message that if he fucking cries, yeah. he gets just he fucking, he can fucking sit there and fuck for cry, sure. cry, <laughs> cry, cry away because I'm going to fucking teach you how much that, how far that's going to get you. Mm-hmm. Crying doesn't get you anything. That yeah. was my dad's, he didn't know. Yeah. But but when you don't come to comfort the baby while it's crying in the crib, then the very first thing that the baby, the very first impression, the very first idea of the whole world is, I'm crying, I'm not okay, I'm scared, I'm sad, and the world it fucking is not, the, the, like... The world's not, not doesn't fucking care about me. Mm-hmm. I need fucking help, and and th- this world shit. I'm this world I'm in, and then that like it's it's like uh, like like insecurity, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's like fuck the world, you know, fuck this world. This world doesn't fucking care about me. I don't fucking care about this world. They do like there's on like that? deviance, mm-hmm. you know, like you know I'm a deviant motherfucker probably because of that. You know, mm. and then like there's another thing, and I was so, again, I was so fascinated by this mm. when I took that college course. They said uh, when, when it comes to potty training, you know, like 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 there's no way around it. The baby's going to fucking shit in its diapers. Yeah. You know, like it's like that's there's it's completely natural, right? And like a lot of parents take, and I think my dad too, like take the position of like, oh, we're going to, you know, it's like the dog shits and you roll up the, the, the <laughs> roll up the smash newspaper it. and fucking smack the dog, but you don't do it there. You know, like yeah. if, if, if potty training is something that you take like a disciplinarian approach to it, like, no, that's wrong. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't, don't do that. Yeah. Then like, then the baby gets this, the, 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 what the baby takes from that is like, I didn't fucking do anything wrong. I can't help that I just fucking took a shit, you know? And I've just been scolded. I've been punished for for doing something that it was absolutely not in my control. I'm fucking not yeah. done. So so the, the the takeaway from there is like even if I even if I do like the right thing, even if like like no matter what I like I'm wrong. I've been yeah. told that I'm wrong. When I didn't do anything wrong, mm-hmm. so this yeah. the world's not fair. That is real, though. Yeah. I could totally see how you can ingrain that into a kid. Like, no yeah. matter what I did, I'm fucking done. I'm dumb. And yeah, I'm that's, the world's not fucking fair, mm-hmm. you know. And then it's like it, it goes, it goes on and on. I can't remember them all, but it just all made so much fucking sense. That, and I just thought to myself from way back then in the 1990s, I, I just thought fuck man how can people be allowed to have kids and not know these things mm-hmm. you know like not know like this is fucking super important like my dad was deliberate about doing the exact fucking wrong thing you know like and 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 we're they fuck up they're fucking up kids man like i i don't want to have kids but i but i think that's because i have like a, a real respect for what it means to have a oh, kid yeah. to create a human being yeah. you know how old was your dad when he had you 30 oh so he's a fucking adult 
Yeah. Yeah, most kids are out 15, 16, and that's... I don't terms. know about most kids having oh, where I'm teenage from, parents. Where I'm from. Uh, right. it's the in, in America, it's the number one spot for teenage pregnancy. Oh, yeah? Where's that? Uh, Merced by Fresno up north. Yeah, I did shows at the, the University of Merced. Get the fuck out of here. Are you I, serious? I, I, I double-billed a show at the University of Merced <laughs> with Rob Schneider. Oh, Get the fuck out. I'm not there. When was this? How long? Oh, damn. That was back in uh, 2012, I want to say. I was maybe, there. How the maybe, fuck did maybe I not 2013? know? Damn. Bro, the yeah, only man. fun thing in town besides drugs happens, and I didn't know about the shit. <laughs> it was, it was, this, dude. College games have always been a good fucking deal. Like you show up and just wipe out their student council allotted uh, entertainment. Yeah. Prize. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I was there for the, I was there for the groundbreaking of that. That was our field trip for the year in sixth grade. All right, we went across the town to watch a guy dig a hole. Fucking whack. <laughs> Let me fucking promote some shit, dude. Oh, I yeah. like. Uh, you know, I can't tell all my, my stories like, you know, um, dude, I, I've got a gnarly rad story in my book. Uh, yeah, I, I came out with a memoir. What's it called? It's called Professional Idiot. Oh, I love it. Steve-O mm. Professional nice. Idiot, a memoir. And um, it's, uh, it, it was a New York Times bestseller. It's the, you know, it's got the average rating on Amazon, five stars. It's oh, yeah. the best fucking thing I've ever made. And uh, it's just juicy. It's juicier than shit. And um, and, and on the ones on my website, I, I every, everyone's hand signed. So you can oh, get like nice. an autographed hand signed and copy that's of my book. And steveo.com. That's it, right? Steveo.com, yeah. How, when did you put that book out? That, it, it came out like uh, in t- 2011. And I just two days ago delivered my second book to the publisher. Do you know what this is going to be called yet? That one, um, I, I'm reluctant to uh, to say the title publicly yeah. because I wouldn't want, like, if we don't have the the rights to it secured, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want anyone to s- snatch it. And then, yeah, of course. But um, but yeah, dude, like, they, my, so my new book, and I told you this before uh, yeah. we sat down, man. Like, the the the, the original manuscript for my first book, I, you know, I, I gave it to Johnny Knoxville. I remember him. Uh, getting back to me he said hey i'm like i was impressed by your book it's just uh, just my my one note like as a friend uh i i don't know if you should include that story that bukkake story (laughs) 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 with with, uh you know from 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 when we did that terry richardson photo shoot you know where uh, this, normal this, note you get when putting out a book. Yeah, take out the bukkake. Yeah, it was. He, he said. He said. I don't know. If, I don't know if a future Mrs. O, like if that's something that mm, like. He's uh, looking out for you. Yeah. All right. He and I was like, I was like, Knoxville. I appreciate your concern, but the bukkake story stinks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in there. You know, it's nice. in there along with all the rest of the fucked up sex and drugs and everything. But uh, but here, this is crazy because um. This time around, you know, and it's been, you know, there, there's 10, 10 years in between books here. And, um, like, I, my, my new book is, uh, I, I honestly was so nervous about the new book living up to how good the first book was. And um, just at some point in the process while I, while I was, you know, doing all the, the revision and rewriting, I was just like, dude, because I had concerns, like my first pass through it. You know, I, I had concerns. I was like, fuck, man. And then all those concerns, we addressed them. And as I came through that last pass of revisions and, and rewrites, like, I was just like, dude, 
we, we're smashing that first book, you know, mm. we're, it's every bit as gnarly as, you know, and, and like, it's just, and it's, it's, I, I delivered the manuscript to the publisher two days ago, as we sit here and record this now. And, um, this time, like I was super fucking nervous about sharing that original manuscript with Knoxville because like, because like I, I let it fucking rip, man, you know? And like, like I, I was like, I have to share it with him because I think if he's going to be like offended or like, uh, you know, just like really like have a problem with the, like the, like how, how candid I was and sharing like, like problems that we've had between us and, you know, like, yeah, give him a heads up. like open it, like, like I, I would like let him, let that problem surface before it's before you print not the too shit. late, yeah. you know? And I was, I, I, I printed a, I printed it out and got a bound copy and I'm dropping it in, in the envelope to send it to him. And Sorry. I was like, oh, so nervous and like, you know, I, I overnighted it to him two days ago. So he received it yesterday. And then today I got a call from him. And, and uh, I just, like, I'm in the middle of doing something. And then I see, like, oh, Knoxville is calling me. And I'm like, just my heart sinks. And I'm like, like, I'm just, I, I pick up the phone and I'm just ready for, like, how dare you? You know, yeah. how dare you? And he says, um, and this, this call was today. So I'm like, this is just so crazy. Like I've never, like, obviously I've never been able to share this with anybody. It just fucking happened today. He says, I started reading your book at 9am this morning and I just finished it. And this call came in at like one something in the afternoon. He, he read it in one sitting Whoa. and it's not like, you know, and in like Microsoft Word pages, which are way bigger than a book page, it was like 162 pages. You know, yeah. like yeah. Uh, he, he read it in one sitting, and, and I'm just like, okay, here it comes. And he's like, he's like, dude, I I, I just have to tell you, I'm so proud of you. And I'm oh, like, wait, nice. Like I'm just, and he's like, dude, like I just. He told me that he admired the rigorous honesty, like how uh, self-aware I was. And I was like, dude, Knoxville, I, I was ready for you to say, how dare you? He said, I didn't have any how dare you moments. He says, what I had a lot of was, oh my God, why is he saying this? This sounds really fucking bad. <laughs> But then when I, when, you know, whenever I thought that the next line acknowledged how bad it sounded and like, and, yeah. and that was like, took, yeah, accountability yeah. of it. And it's just like, it, it was just like, as I share this with you now, like still like all over my body, I, I have like a physical sensation of gratitude. Mm. You know, like it's almost like my arms are tingling, like, mm. like oh I, I it, yeah, it, like that. There's there's relief. There's like there's gratitude, and it's like even and and I was and I told him I told him on the phone. I said Knoxville. I was like, I can't tell you how much that means to me, be because like I was just really really sensitive about like how personal it got about like uh you know th th things involving involving you you know and there was no way on earth that uh i that i wanted you to not sure. see it first and and, and he, he said um he, he just said that 
you know, it meant a lot to him that, that I was sensitive to that and that the way that it was handled, you know, as unflattering as it was, but it was just handled with such like, you know, self-awareness and honesty. And it was just like maturity. Dude, he, yeah. he said like, just that, like, it, it, it comes through so much, like how much work you've done on yourself and how mm. much growth you've been. It's just like, dude, I mean, I, I already like Knoxville is just, I call him the captain, you know, like I feel like he's uh, like a big brother figure to me, like mm. the big brother that you just like look up to so much, whose, whose opinion matters so much. And uh, and then like our director Jeff Tremaine, he's like a father figure for me. The same you know? dude like, the whole time, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the big brother guy. Big right? brother. Same, guy, same, yeah. everything. Jeff Tremaine, yeah. and it's wow. like these guys. And then there's Spike Jones, who's like you know. Vice now. He's he's advice. Oh, he's done with it. I, I think he is, but uh, but but those like those are the guys who started the company, which which created. Those are all the three creators of Jackass: is Knoxville, Tremaine, and Spike. And like, they're like the powers that be, like as it relates to Jackass, you know, like they, they call the shots and like from a creative perspective where um, like certainly they don't always agree on everything creatively, you know, they, they'll, brains, they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll butt heads over when they're wanting things to be one way or the other. Um, on an individual level, I like, I don't think, uh, that any of them are always right about any, about anything, obviously, because they don't always agree. But what I believe there's a, like 1000% track record for is that when they arrive at a, a, a consensus decision between all three of them, they always get it right. So mm-hmm. like whatever... Whatever creative call the three of those guys make is like I just I blindly trust that it's the right fucking call at this point, because man. They, they've they've never gone yeah, wrong. It's a winning formula they've, every like, fucking time. I mean, time. yeah, it's not just my opinion. Like everything that they've put out, the three of them has has been the number one in whatever field it mm. was released. You know, like box office movie. Every single movie yeah. they've put they've done is number one at the box office. And and dude, I got to tell you that Jackass Forever which now is coming out in February yeah. is so fucking good, man. Cool. It's unbelievably fucking good. <laughs> like, like it, Jackass it. forever smashes the fuck out of the last Jackass movie, Jackass 3d. Really it smashes the fuck out of it. Now I'll, right. I'll, I'll be candid that I don't think that there's ever going to be any such thing as beating Jackass number two. Jackass two was, that's the only time I've ever thrown up before in in public. Okay. When you, the sweatsuit cocktail shit. That was Jackass three. Oh, that was three. That's that when I threw up three. in public. Okay. It was disgusted. Well, I threw it in the theater. Which one was it? You're throwing the billiard balls at each other's balls or whatever. Oh, that, oh, that, 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 was, that was the TV show. show. The show, yeah. Oh, okay. That, that, that was, it wasn't billiard balls. I think it was like tennis ball or something. It, like it was something fucked up because that's the only. Get, like I said, we started doing all this shit as kids. I lasted one round and I'm out. Yeah. That's just not fun. Yeah. It fucking hurts. It fucking yeah, hurts. It's an early game. I, I don't think anything will ever be number two because we were just so fucking gnarly reckless on that mm. one. You know, like we were all still super fucking like reckless, like with, with all the drugs, with the alcohol, with the fucking everything, dude, with the, the stunts, like, like the risks that, that were, that were being taken 
we're like fucking fucked up and there was just like a guardian angel looking over <laughs> us man you know like like on some serious level i yeah. think that there's just been like a major like a, sure. a, like, like a network of guardian angels <laughs> come you know? on man and, uh, <laughs> of course and dude like heavy risks got fucking taken on the new one too knoxville like on, on jackass number two he gets blindfolded in front of a yak which is like a super fucking charged pissed off bull with uh-huh. like really long horns and he's like blindfolded and he goes and lights Sick. a cigarette and then the the yak just straight scoops him and he does like a, a complete revolution it was like he just did a standing fucking front flip because the the, the yak scooped him like yeah. that and in that full front flip that he did he landed on his feet and he got up and walked away and he was fine on the new jackass movie a bull like charges him and and scoops him from behind so so like like from behind and pushes him forward so his head's coming back and he did a flip and a half so if he did a full flip he would have gone back to his feet like he did in jackass number two but he did a flip and a half to his head and so he had a concussion he had a fucking brain hemorrhage He had, he had and this new one his, is- he had a brain bleed and a concussion of course and a broken wrist and a broken rib mm. fuck like we're just straight considerably more brittle yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. That, sure. now yeah. that we're all Prone you know like, like 30 years later and so the, it's crazy because like I mean Knoxville's racked up the concussions man it's so tough for me to watch that shit and like uh, he's too down the, the new Jackass movie is just it's insanely fucking good, man. It's insanely good, and and, and where where Jackass number two, Jackass number two was good, man. This the, I recently just watched them all one night again. In any case, what all I really meant to say was that Knoxville and Tremaine and Spike are are like like they're you know like people have like they always want like a. To make their dad proud, and, and I'm no exception. I want my dad to be proud, but like that extends to those three guys too. Mm. Like they're them being proud of me. Like any praise that they give me yeah. is like in this world. There's like very fucking little that means more to me than that. Because they're good leaders. Yeah, that's exactly. They know yeah. what to do, and if you can impress people that you think are fucking amazing, I mean, yeah. what more can you ask for? And and, and I'm a. I'm a fucking, I'm a lot for those guys because their their approval means so much to me. Like I'm constantly seeking it and like just barraging them with like more fucking like not like every new YouTube video. Like come on, you know, like they got to know about like. And, and to be fair, I have been really hustling man like here's my new book i just finished it you know like oh check it out you know my warehouse where where i took on like uh i we we, um felt like we were like selling so much stuff particularly through like the the charity fundraisers we were doing just the volume of shit that we were shipping out through our third party fulfillment center like, it was just like, dude, we're making so much money for them. Like, fuck it, we'll get yeah. our own warehouse. And so I got my own warehouse, my nice. own warehouse staff. Good shit. And I, do, I fulfill all my own merch orders. Oh, yeah. And just like two days ago, like after I mailed the book to Knoxville, and then with the, the, the this text thread with those guys, and I'm like, remember my, my fulfillment, my fulfillment center, the warehouse operation. I call that business tight box 
packing. <laughs> and, uh, and and that day we we, we we smashed a fucking hole in the wall uh, so that we wouldn't have to walk outside the door the all the way to the night because we, we rented the next warehouse yeah. over too. So I got, it's just oh, like you we got going. like professionally had someone put a hole no, in No, no, no. Oh, I you just smashed like, a hole. I got my, okay. Yeah. Kick that shit. I got my, my business partner to try to, to handle it with the, the one-inch punch. Remember that shit? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm oh, not yeah. strong. Yeah. I threaten yeah. my kids with that all the time. Walk up to them with that. One-inch punch. Yeah. That shit was real in PE. Smacking fools <laughs> in the chest. Yeah. You did good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it, bro. Yeah. Yeah, but so, I mean... I definitely bug those guys a lot with all of uh, the though, various man. endeavors that uh, that I'm on, and you know every like little new piece of merch that I develop, and like I I, I barrage them with a t- you know like people are like uh, what do you call it fishing for a compliment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm just straight fishing for praise. Like, yeah, just, yeah. You know, but it's all positive, man. It's yeah. the best and, thing and ever. I think they're proud of me. I think that in, like when they get all my texts, I think. The, the, they're like, okay, yeah. you fucking All right, douche. motherfucker, but good shit. All right, way to go, you fucking nah. douche. You they know? help put you on, though. So to them, it's like, you're doing, you're running with it. Yeah. You're still running with Right, right. But I think they're, 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 they're genuinely proud for me. And they're like, all right. It's just so evident that I'm like, like some kind of like just needing validation from them so desperately that like there's like there's no, yeah. there's, there's no realm I can imagine where they don't just see it as just desperate and annoying <laughs> but they're also really proud because yeah. because of my tireless fucking hustle man mm. like in my new book I've, I've got like uh, one of the big fucking things that like the in italics like the question are you are you happy like yeah. like I I, that fucking question when people ask me, am I happy? Mm-hmm. It like, it, it took a long time for me to realize. It's just like, it just makes me fucking uncomfortable. And I had to really think about it and be like, I don't fucking like it when people ask me that question because like the honest answer is, is no, I'm not fucking happy. Like if somebody asks, asks you, are you happy? Like for me, you hear that question and you, you contemplate it for a second and 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 I, I picture it's like, well, let me like scan my body and how do I feel? You know, like I feel fucking anxious. I feel fucking twisted up and stressed. Like there's no contentment that I can perceive. I'm not, not like no. I'm 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 not happy. I feel I feel palpably uncomfortable. You know, and it was like when when people ask me like, are you happy? I'm like. I, I find it offensive, you know, like, because, because it's not okay to say, no, I'm not happy, you know? And, okay. and like over the years, the, the, the question just bothered me. It just bothered me. And then finally, I just like really picked it apart. And I, I, I asked myself like, okay, like what, I'm not happy. Like what's going on here? And I, and I just think to myself, okay, like the, the reality of my experience in life is that like, and I think that maybe it's got something to do with like uh, with being an alcoholic and you know, and, and, and like an addiction because alcoholism and addiction have nothing to fucking do with drugs and alcohol. You know, the drugs and alcohol are a symptom of the underlying addiction. Bro. Like the, the underlying condition is one of just general discomfort and disease. You know, like we're restless, irritable, and mm-hmm. discontent. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's like the baseline. My default setting. Like as as a default, my my 
feeling is that like everything is not going to be fucking okay. Everything's not going to be okay. Like whatever I have, I'm going to fucking lose it all. Like I'm going to fucking lose it all. Like the whatever the worst fucking thing is going to ha- can happen, that's what's going to happen. And I just that's my default setting. My core belief in any given moment is that everything is not going to be okay. And like while that's a, a super sad and tragic reality to contemplate, like the fact of it is that that, that default setting is it it, it it manifests as just a fucking fire under my ass like yeah. i feel like my constant feeling at any given moment is that everything is not going to be okay and my, my only natural reaction to that feeling is fuck i've got to hustle let's go. let's i gotta fucking, fucking go. hurry yeah. up let's go and let's yeah. fucking get to work to yeah. try to make it so everything exactly. will be okay i don't think anybody's ever put it so perfect yeah. bro I, I, I feel what you're feeling yeah a lot of the time i've got and, and i gotta fuck the, the, i'm freaking the fuck out if i don't get off my ass right now and yeah. do yeah. some some considerable work to to try to make it so that everything will be okay <sighs> and that's like the engine that drives that. me yeah. that's exactly you know? so it's like if I'm to ask myself, okay, I'm, I'm not a comfortable person. I'm a fucking super uncomfortable person. Like, I'm not a happy person. I'm, a, like, essentially very fucking unhappy because I'm so uncomfortable. But would I have it any other way? Would I want to be, like, what, what's fucking being happy? What is that? Like, That's okay, so, so if I'm happy, then that means, like, I'm no content. Drive. I'm content. I'm satisfied. I'm fulfilled. I'm fucking lazy. <laughs> you know? yeah, I don't want I don't want to be fucking happy. Like if I if I had a choice between being happy like and or being the way I am, I straight up I choose the hustle. 100%. I choose the hustle, man. I, don't, I would I don't like fucking... to be more stoked, but also I would like you bro, you said it so fucking perfectly. Well, it's, thanks, it's, man. It's the it's I'm always smiling. Everybody, I'm always smiling. You know how fucking stressed out I am all the time? Sure. It's nonstop because I got to get her. I, my fucking family doesn't own their houses. I got to get them a fucking house. I got to buy this building. I got to do this. We do all our, or, you know what I mean? It's 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 the drive. Like you said, it's the fire. It it's is. The, the it's, hustle. It man. is. It's like, who else is going to do it? They're going to do it better than I am if I'm not fucking here. <clears throat> and invariably, you know, I think I, I think this. I could say that this is a, a pretty universal truth that anybody who has achieved like great success, like anybody who really worked to to to, to achieve things and and was successful in achieving those things, that I think I think universally all of those people will say that they were happier before they accomplished anything. Before they acquired anything, before they like, you know, like anybody who has earned a great deal of money, I think will say that they were happier before they earned any money. They were happier when they were dead broke. Because they still had something to look forward to and a goal. Right. And 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 this was, uh, I know that I was certainly happier, you know, like I, I had, uh, I mean, I'd be, I, I don't know, I had an ability to live in the present that that, that I've since lost. And I think I've lost that to whatever measure of success I've been able to achieve. And I, and, and it, this was distilled into a saying that I heard, which is that uh, a guy who has fucking nothing at all, a completely poor man who has nothing, doesn't need to worry about anything except for his next meal. 
but the guy who has everything has to worry about his last meal. Not that he like has to worry about, it, but 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 the, the, if you're focused on what's your next fucking meal, then you're living in, in the, the present. present. Yeah. And, when, and once you have like achieved some kind of success, you've put together some savings, you've got you know like stuff, you've had success. Your next meal's covered. And so you become fucking bent out of shape over like your last meal. And that's such a much scarier thing yeah. to spend your time contemplating. To, you know, a hundred percent. We had Chong on here, Tommy Chong. And he said, I've, I've talked to him a few years ago. And there's one thing he said to me that makes me like, okay. some. You know, when you're just fucking stressed, like, can I just shut the lights off and just nobody right. fucking talk to me right now? He's like, the only way you can be truly happy is living in the present because the past might be the past you're looking back. It's like, I wish we were still in those times. The past is full of regret and the future is full of fear. Or, or if the past was so fucking awesome and now you're like, you know what? I cheat everything I do. It's all downhill from here, yeah. It's fucking It's weird. like the Olympic it's the medalist. Peak. Yeah, what, what next? Uh, Michael Phelps, you want another one? Good fucking job. What's up, guys? Special shout out to one of our sponsors. This is Blue Man. You've seen them on our show many times before. You guys always ask, damn fool, your hair is always on point, and that's because I tried to take care of it, man. This is, I have to be on camera. This is a big part of it. A lot of you guys leave in the comments, who's your barber? How do you do your hair? I get that all the time. Believe it or not, I used to cut my own hair until recently, and Rosie would help me just because we we're in a pandemic and we couldn't go anywhere. But now I have a barber. I actually use stuff that makes my hair healthy. And guys, we haven't done an ad read for Blue Man in a couple months. I still use this every single day. Marty knows every single show. I have it in the bathroom. This is what I use every time. So real quick, before we even get into it, go to blueman.com. That's B-L-U-M-A-A-N.com. That is their website. Check out everything they got there. So this has vitamins and minerals to keep your hair strong. And I actually have, from experience right here, honestly, I've noticed a difference. I noticed my hair is thicker. I noticed my hair stays better with this. Actually, it's the green one, but I noticed my hair does stay better. Not everybody's hair is the same. I'm let you know that right now. Not everybody's hair is going to part like this, all right? But not everybody can grow an afro. You, you see what I'm saying? So if you're like me and you don't know how to take care of your hair and you don't want to be trial and error like me take the hair quiz and the link for the hair quiz is going to be in the description and linked in the comments so answer these few questions it's going to ask you what type of hair what is your problems with it what do you not like the most if this is just questions that a hairstylist would ask you so they know what to do for you best so basically as soon as you're done it's super easy guys it's like 30 second hair quiz you answer a couple questions then it asks for your email once you ask for your email and you give it to them they send you a 20 percent off discount Pretty easy. You get help and 20% off. Or you can just, you know, not take care of your hair. But for those of you that actually care and you want to do something about it and you want to make sure you upkeep the way you look, like I said, go to blueman.com, www.blueman, B-L-U-M-A-A-N.com. Or click the link in the description, the link in the pinned comments on the YouTube channel. That's going to take you right to the hair quiz. Like I said, it takes you 30 seconds. You give them your email, 20% off. As always, guys, thank you so much for watching the ad reads. Back to the episode. Well, in most cases, the Olympic medalists, like that, that like, because I, I knew an, a bunch of uh, of Olympic athletes and and Olympic hopefuls, you know, like when, when I was dropping out of school at the University of Miami, like I was oh, those I, guys, I was, yeah, like the, the the University of Miami is an Olympic factory. No and shit. Like, yeah, dude, big time. That that's like the number one diving platform, diving slash swimming powerhouse of of the NCAA, no and um, the. Uh, the Olympic pool. I think that they've actually like de demolished it somehow. I don't know if it's still there, but um, the Olympic pool had the mural uh, painted of like when you win an NCAA championship, they paint your mural 
on the wall, right? They had uh, Greg Luganis, who's like the most famous swimmer. Olympic diver, he's a platform swimmer? diver. Oh, they just and in the Olympics, like he hit his head on the platform during a dive, like it was it's something crazy. But Greg Luganis painted on the wall, and at the time that I, uh, you know, dropped out and I was kicked out of the dorms, and I was just straight living on campus as a homeless person. <laughs> okay, I was some nights. I, I like, and I'm running around with my video camera. I'm gonna be a crazy famous stuntman. Oh, you're man. still going through all that? Yeah, well, yeah, dude. I'm talking. This is like I dropped out in '93, '94, '95. That was when uh, when I met um, the the diver. The dive became bros with the dive team, and they lived this one apartment in this student athletics. They had a you know the student athletic apartment. You know, the area, whatever, is a student apartments for the the scholarship athletes. They had it was a it was a two bedroom apartment. They, they both bedrooms had two dudes in it. It was four people in the apartment. One guy was a random swimmer. The other three guys in the apartment were the number one, the number two, and the number three wow. NCAA ranked ten meter platform divers. All of which got their murals painted on that wall next to Greg Luganis like that very That's year. Fucking great. And they were such a huge part of my story because I'm like, everybody's like, oh, dude, you're going to be a fucking stuntman. You're a fucking, you know, loser, this and that. And like, here, I, I'm, I was teaching myself how to do backflips. I was like, you know, throwing myself off of like rooftops and like, you know, all this stuff. Breaking your and fall. These, and shit. these guys, specifically the number one in, in the country, and, and his name's Brian Galuli. He was also, um, he set a record that will probably never be broken. He won 10 consecutive junior national titles from like the age of eight to Damn. like uh, no, uh, Olymp no Olympic hopeful, no uh, platform diver in the U.S. under the age of 18 could beat an eight-year-old. Next year, none of them could beat a nine-year-old. He, he, wow. he won junior nationals in some respect on one of the boards every year for 10 straight years from the age of eight years old. He was the most unbelievable prodigy of, at, at eight years old. And then when he was 18 and, and he went to his very first senior nationals, like I have the footage still. I just digitized it the other day. Fucking before the scores were up, you know, on, on his last dive. Brian Glurley, 18 years old, is the national diving champion. Before he even Before dove the scores, in. because with that dive, that back three and a half, fucking he ripped it so clean. And um, it was it was that same guy, Brian Galuli, when I was homeless, and he was letting me live on his fucking floor, sleep on his floor. And uh, and, and I, I taught myself backflips by, like, climbing up on top of shit. I was, like, feel like off a car or off a table or something, because to get the rotation, I needed to come up from higher. And he... Like took me under his wing and, and and stood there and spotted me like like you know as a spotter and and cleaned it up and like taught me how to like swing my arms into it so that I could do a backflip like standing still on flat ground wow. to get that full rotation without I got trained by him you wow. know and uh, and and like within what like within about a year. I want to say within a year of Brian Galuli like cleaning up my backflip, my my standing back tuck, I taught myself like fire breathing, and I figured out that if I poured rubbing alcohol on my bare hand, I could light it, and the rubbing alcohol would burn like thinly enough that it wouldn't really like burn my hand, at least not at first. So I would have time, so I could fill my mouth with with it. 
pour it on my hand, then light my hand on fire. And it wouldn't burn my hand so bad. And it would be, it would, it wouldn't go out so easy. My whole hand's on fire. And so I could swing my arms into a standing backflip with my hand on fire and use, as I tuck upside down in the air, use my flaming hand as a fire breathing torch so that I'm simultaneously blowing a fire. It was a simultaneous fire breathing backflip. And I'm the I'm guaranteed the first person in the history of humankind to do a simultaneous fire breathing backflip, and and I know a few people have done it, uh, you know, since seeing me do Real it. Real TV can eat a dick for that 500. <laughs> Bro, right? <laughs> I'd love that, 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 that. It was the same <laughs> trick on the roof of the three stripe yeah. building. I pour the alcohol and then I use my hand as a torch and and uh, front flip fireball off the roof. So I'm gonna get in your brain real quick. You're like, yeah, I can do a backflip. I can light it on fire. What if I did it all the fucking same time? And yeah. that was your, your party trick. Damn. For sure. Well, I mean, here's the thing. The first time that I ever it's crazy. got on stage, like legitimately in front of hundreds of people, it was 700 people. It was in Florida at the, the Stewart Opera House. And, and what had happened was this was in, in 1996. And it was, it was um, I was homeless. I was like living out of my car. I was couch surfing. Um, I, uh, and living out of a car that I just gotten my second DUI in, which had Whoa. expired tags, which I was continuing to drive around. Reckless. <laughs> I, I was in such a low point that I actually wanted to carbon monoxide myself to death and simply could not afford to fill the gas tank. <laughs> like I was, it was not, I was not, I was not winning. Oh my God. That's I, a, that's a bumper stick. <laughs> I, was not, I was not on a winning streak. And I heard like on the radio, like the big radio station was uh, doing a, a freak of nature contest. It was like a talent show kind of a deal. And I'm like, oh dude, yeah, I'm like, I'm a fucking badass stunt man. I'm fucking Steve-O, you know, but part of me thought like, you know, the, the harder I'm trying and the, like the, the, the crazier footage I'm getting, like maybe I'm going to be like somebody, you know, and if I'm going to become somebody, do I really want my name to be Steve-O? Like, it's kind of goofy. It's kind of like, is anyone going to take me seriously? Am I, am I, am I, am I fucking myself by calling myself that? Or should I call myself by my, by my real name, Steve Glover? Oh my God. And I was like having that fucking little debate in my head. And then, um, I, I call the radio station. I said, I said, I'm, what's your, what's your, what's your talent? What's your, uh, what, what, what's your act? I said, I'm Steve-O, the alcoholic gymnast. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm going to do, I'm going to fuck, I'm going to get on, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking come out. I'm going to get on stage. I'm going to fucking shotgun beers faster than you could even believe. Cause like in, in all my exploits, all my things I've ever done in the world, uh, the one thing I think I really was world class at was shotgunning beers. Okay. I think I think if they had an Olympic fucking sport, yeah, I'm right with you. I I, I might have got a medal in shotgunning <laughs> beers because I, I actually breathed it. I had a thing with I would think with, and I would, it's just like that fucking fast. Yeah, yeah. Like it was it was gnarly, and and so I said I'm gonna shotgun beers faster than anybody. Like you could even possibly imagine, you're gonna know that I drank the whole fucking thing because I'm gonna throw the can on the stage. And you're gonna hear it fucking Blink. land empty, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shotgun so many beers that I am like visit like like undeniably drunk. I'm gonna get undeniably drunk before the eyes of the audience, and then I'm gonna proceed to do acrobatics. And like Brian Glulie also taught me to like to to place my hands on the ground and slowly press up. 
into a handstand like not like kick up you know but just put my hands down and press up slowly until i'm up and mm. and hold it still where like if i'm falling if i'm gonna fall forward i just you know put a little pressure on my fingertips or my heels and like yeah. you know like just balance like like press up to a handstand hold it perfectly still and um and, and then put then my last little thing was i was and then when i'm done i'm gonna like like blow a fireball and at the time i used to use rubbing alcohol which is just terrible shit to pour in your mouth and and it's super dangerous too because whatever you spit it on stays on fire and i lost a lot of skin over the years get like with accidents from fire breathing it's not but uh but hey but it's a little bit of a saving grace that whatever it lands on stays on fire but i didn't i didn't have it figured out at that time so what's two things that are important as I, they, they they wove me and I, I came into the um a little audition for them and I showed my fast I could shock and I did some some uh, acrobatics and they were like dude we fucking love it you're, fun. <laughs> you're, on, you're on the show they loved it so much that they they brought me out at the beginning like every couple acts I came back at it. like I was woven through the show uh, so I came out and I shotgunned two beers the entertainment then I get another man. act and then I get another act and then I come back he's gonna come out and shotgun two more you know mm. I think I did like shotgun like nine beers like uh, on the first show you know by spacing it out weaving me through and then like I started doing tricks at the end and like the crowd just fucking kind of ate it up they're like dude I'm fucking yeah you know, like he's gonna fight and I do it again. Cah! And I'm like, kind of because they're spacing it out, like I'm getting more drunk, and it's like, he's gonna come out and drink more. Steve O, the alcoholic gymnast, coming out to fucking <laughs> chug more. And the crowd kind of got behind it, and like, I, I'm on standing on that stage, nervous as hell because, like, in front of 700 people, yeah. but they're like, they're fucking like kind of chanting from Steve-O, Steve-O. They're screaming Steve-O. And, and like in that moment, hearing that, I'm like, like my, my little debate, my debate ended yeah. because I'm like, if I, if, if I had said, if I had said I'm Steve Glover, the alcoholic gymnast, not one fucking person is going to scream steve Steve Glover, you know, but Steve O, Steve O, Steve O, Steve O, like Steve O, like it was just, and that was how I even got the fucking name in the first place was from drunk assholes yelling it at keg parties at the University of Miami while I'm doing whatever dumb shit I'm doing. It was like inherently fucking infinitely screamable, like Steve O, you know, and so, and so I made the decision on that stage that night, like that's the take because I heard them screaming, chanting, mm. like so, and I, and I committed to it. Then, 1996, I I made my decision. I'd been Steve wow. already for a few years, mm. but then I was like, that's it. I'm I'm Steve. I committed. In hindsight, it's the best fucking decision I yeah. ever made. Oh, yes, because. So- if you look at the guys from Jackass and like who got like uh, like real name recognition, with all due respect and love for my bros, I gotta say that every single one of them who went with the name that is on their driver's license fucked themselves. Yeah, because like anybody who used their name from their driver's license didn't get name recognition out of it. Mm-hmm. Who do you remember? You remember Bam. That's not his name. Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. That's not his name. That's a great Wee man. Wee man. Wee yeah. man. Yeah. You know, like. Point. Yeah, he goes Preston Lacey, Dave England. It's like, yeah. you don't want to say someone's real name. Yeah, that's interesting. When you're, right. You know, 
And, and I mean, I, I never would have even seen it coming. If anything, I thought I was like taking a, a crazy risk. But mm-hmm. in hindsight, to, to have a name that's easy to remember, that's kind of goofy, yeah, like, totally. you're going to remember it because it's Steve O. It's Nobody just, else has named that shit. Du- it's fucking mm-hmm. dumb to call yourself Steve O. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, it's like Wee Man, you know, like, bam. It just it's rolls dope, off the tongue. Like it's, Steve it's, o, it's, everybody. It, it, it makes people remember y- yeah. your name, you know? And so that was like something that like really was a valuable thing. And then when I got to the end of the performance and I go to do my fire breathing, like I had, a, I clicked a lighter. I brought out just a regular Bic lighter and I fucking, I fucking blew out the lighter and it, and in front of 700 people it was this like the the it was just this anticlimactic super disappointing like it didn't light it was just like a mist of liquid and there's it was ah but bullshit oh. and i'm like i was mortified i was fucking fuck and but like but okay all right i'm going to fucking do it again i think it was actually um because I did this two nights in a row. <laughs> you know, they oh, had they they, they, they they did the show two nights in a row. I think it was on the, the, the next night, but whatever. Who cares if it was or if it wasn't? But I did it again. And uh, and this time when I did it, I was more mindful to, to not try to blow out the lighter. You know, I, I'd never blown out the lighter before. I was able to do it, you know. But uh, what happened was it was unintentional. I was still doing it with the lighter. But when I went to, to blow it, I did ignite the fireball. Except I ignited the fireball and, and didn't even realize it. But in, in spitting it, I had spit the rubbing alcohol all over my hand. So the fireball ignited, but now I've spit the rubbing alcohol onto my hand. So like it's on there and, and it stayed on fire. Yeah. And so like I'm like, I'm like styling out, taking like, yeah, <laughs> taking about. And all of a sudden I realize, oh fuck, my hand's oh, on fire. Shit. You know, like and I'm like, ah, you know, and like, you know, like it's totally after the fact. I realized, shit, it's on fire. And I, I really fucking shake it out. And I was like, man, it took me like a number of weeks to put it together. But I was so traumatized by the lighter being blown out and the, the disappointing mm. failure to light the fireball. Yeah. It fucking traumatized me. And like, and, and it was just, it, it was fascinating that, that when my hand had been on fire and I didn't realize it, it took a, a beat, you know? It took a couple of seconds mm-hmm. for me to even realize that it was on fire because it burned so thin, it doesn't really hurt at first. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, it just came together. I was like, fuck, what if I never have to worry about blowing out the lighter ever again? And I, and I know that, like, Kiss, they would, like, you, you yeah. know, they'd use a big torch, but I didn't want to use a torch. Like, Your own hand, yeah. I was like, what if I never have to worry? What if, what if the solution is I never have to worry about, about blowing out the lighter again is if I just start out by pouring it on my hand and then light it and mm. use my hand as the torch. And I did that. And that was like, that in and of itself made like, everybody's seen fireball. I was like, okay, it's the fire. But because I'm pouring it on my bare skin and lighting on fire, that just Jesus. gave it like an, an extra like edginess. It was yeah, like, yeah. wow, dude, that's gnarlier. Hell you yeah, know? it's like, fucking tight. And, and, and all of this happened in like right when I was just, just fucking got the backflip locked. And then I mm. thought, oh shit, what if I fucking do that and then swing into a backflip? And, and it all just happened in a, in a short ass period of time. Question. 
that experience of you going on stage is that that hook you because you said I'm an attention whore and you got the fucking crowd attention. At I that mean, point. dude, it's uh, okay. It's it, 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 there's something big in, in that question. Did did it hook me? Like because you were going full force already, but like I, I I told you first thing out of the gate that that I I identify as an attention whore, and what's crazy about that is that. And there, there was in sixth grade. I had uh, you know, when I wrote my first book. Um, you know, we were pulling together all kinds of uh, you know s- stuff for you know like research stuff stuff, and we pulled out all my report cards when I was a kid. <laughs> my sixth grade report. My sister saves everything. I do too. I'm a hoarder too. But my sixth grade report card. My homeroom teacher, whose name was Alice Iaquesa, had this like this thing that she wrote, and I remember like being like 30 fucking 35 or something reading it, it hurt man it was it, it hurt she she wasn't trying to be like me and her but it was just so accurate she said on this comment that steve is so desperate for the approval and affection oh. of his peers but the things he does to try to get the approval and affection of his peers, like bring about the opposite results. So I was, and it was just so true and it was so piercing. It just like pierced my heart. It was like, I was so desperate for that validation and I was just overwhelming and like just graded on people. I was just like, it was just too much, you know? Like, I wanted to be liked so badly and I tried so hard and I tried so hard in a way that actually made people not like me. Oh, and so yeah, I had I this, it. like, tortured childhood. Shoot yourself in the foot. And, and that's so, so, that's why it hurts, like, to, to it hurts to read that comment. It hurts to, to like, really, like, to, to ponder that reality because, like, what... As an attention whore, like I care so much about other people's opinions of me, such that like I'm really at the mercy of them. Mm. And like where like I put myself out to get attention, like really what I want is validation. I want approval. I want affection. And to put myself out there, like I'm so terrified of getting that opposite result. So like, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I was the kid in school who whenever I had to get up in front of the class and give um, like a, a, a presentation to the class, you know, like when the kids, some kids got up in front of the class and you could hear their voice oh, shaking. Stage fright. You know, thing. they could hear their, like they, they're not like they're, and it's like, it's almost like stuttering because when you, when you most don't want that to happen, it's when it happens. <laughs> For or, sure. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, please don't let my voice be shaking where they can tell I'm trembling because I'm so nervous and afraid. <laughs> yeah. But because you're, you know, that of may, course it does. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I mean, like I, I, I look at that, you know, that beings like, I was I was the attention like you would think that I would being an attention whore being like a, a natural like showman like having it in my blood to like be a performer that I would like revel in getting up in front of the class that that would be like me in in my happy place but no dude I was trembling in fear you could hear my voice shaking because like I wanted to be in I wanted to have the attention of the whole class but I was so afraid 
of disapproval. I was so afraid of rejection, like that, that like, it's terrible. And, and so that's like this, this scary fucking reality, the torture of existence, like, and for more and more people now with social media, but like you put yourself out there, you want so much like the likes, the affection, but then like you put yourself out there with the negative comments that just fuck up your day. And so the answer to your question was, was I hooked? Like, was I addicted to like, to the being in front of the crowd? Terrified of it, dude. Really? Fucking terrified. Like, that's my life is that I'm an, I'm an attention whore and I have to put myself out there to try to get validation. But I live gripped by fear of, uh, of, of rejection or uh, like being denounced or, or shit. So on, it was drugs know? and alcohol. Was he using that? I think so. Past that? I think so. Sure. To, to break the ice yeah. and not care so much, like yo, you're right. stupid. Yeah. Like it's all right, they love it. And and this whole yeah. I, this whole thing of like I'm like I'm terrified of like I'm not getting a, a approval and affection and validation. It's just super real, and that manifests as crazy anxiety. And sure, that's going to drive drinking and alcohol. And then there's the I'm going to lose everything. Like you know, I got to hustle, and I'm never comfortable. You know, and um, that's like. Uh, I think the meditation helps me a lot. Like I'm on a crazy meditation streak, like coming up on two years where nice. I do the kind of, me- I do the kind of mantra based meditation that you do twice a day, like 20 minutes each time. So like I've averaged over 40 minutes of meditating every single day for like That's 670 crazy. days. Wow. I've spent like coming up on 500 hours meditating wow. in less than sitting two. by yourself, which yeah. is good though. It's, yeah. it's, uh, my brain doesn't stop. That's, so I figured that would help. Like, that's basically what it's for is to like, is, is to just take that time to just fucking unplug from all of that anxiety and, and discomfort. And, and would just, you, would you attribute that to like getting, helping you get sober? Uh, med- like a, a disciplined meditation practice came much later. I got sober in 2008. And uh, I learned to meditate in 2013 for the first time, kind of dabbled in it and fell off. And then I, I, I took another meditation course in 2019 and have been religious with it. That's great. It's like you were so rewarded for so long from the world for being crazy and drunk and wild. Like to go get clean had to be so difficult. Like you're giving up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, like yeah. Uh, the, the, the motivation needed to be... Um, like in pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, you know, like that, like for, for, to do the work of recovery, most alcoholics, most addicts need to be quote, pretty badly mangled yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's not like, like, like the, the, the program of recovery for, for people, you know, the 12 steps and all of that, like it, it's things that, that, like our basic instincts, like every fiber are being cry out against doing against like, okay, now I have to be rigorously honest. You know, Mm -hmm. I have to like take account of, of like all of the wrongdoing that I've done and be honest and upfront about it and acknowledge it. And then I got to go and set about making those wrongs. Right. You know, like fuck that's scary. And then, you know, like I got to be with thinking about uh you know 
a, a higher power in prayer and meditation, you know, like that's super, that was, that was the easy part for me because I had like had so many like crazy hallucinations, which I like <laughs> to this day fully consider like legit spiritual experiences. That whole world is real. Oh dude, a hundred percent. I think, like I said, I think meth heads are walking out there oh. and they're on the other plane. You think well, they're crazy? They're just seeing what you can't. Because like, I'm, 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 I'm stoked that you say that because I feel strongly the same way. And, and what it is, is that like we, I mean, there's, I think that like, like scientifically recognized there's 11 dimensions, you oh, know, shit. like. Yeah, we're in the third one. Yeah. And so it's like, we've got this like very limited, like uh physical matter, you know, like 3d plane and, and that's our box. That's our compartment, you know? And like, I believe strongly that if we ingest enough like dr- drugs slash and or booze, because like it's called psychosis. People become possessed on drugs, man. It's it's called psychosis where like you start hallucinating, hearing voices. And what's interesting, you mentioned meth, but like all kinds of different chemicals yeah. like like arrive at the same place. Yes. You know, psychosis. You can have alcohol psychosis. I think being you know? different than For sure. different than psychedelic. Yes or no? I mean, like. I, I mean, when the psychosis is psychosis. So, I psychosis, I feel. I think of like manic, like what? Um, have right. you, when someone's so, because I've had a lot of friends, they're gone, but I've had a lot of friends go so far off that you look at them and go, I feel that you believe that you see other people in the room and I can't see it. And I think you think it's so real that it might be fucking real. Right. Here's, here's what I believe is that when we, when we, ingest enough of these substances what we what we do kind of inadvertently is to like erode the compartments which contain us in this 3d in this level reality it's the key to the next one and like what's important about that is that like they're like everything is energy. Like consciousness is energy. I mean, everything is consciousness, and consciousness is energy. And like energy vibrates at different frequencies. You know, you've got like higher frequency shit. You've got lower frequency shit. And like to say high frequency or low frequency is kind of the same thing as saying angels and demons. Good and evil. You know, good and evil, angels and demons. And and like when when you like take all these substances, all the meth, you know, all the coke, like all the, you know, whatever it is, and like you erode the compartments that keep us contained in our 3D experience by eroding those those barriers. You're opening yourself up to like other dimensional energies, and like you're opening yourself up. There's no, there's no protection. You're just like opening yourself up to all low frequency, like, mm-hmm. you know, like low yeah. frequency. That's why yeah. you see like meth people, Completely right, like right. on some crazy, like, ah, like negative, yeah. because it's, it's like they're letting in like low, demon. low frequency shit. Yeah. You know, they're like, it's like they're now like my experience with psychosis. There was like angels and demons you know like straight up and i had like some voices telling me that they were really worried about me and like you know like like we we don't want you know we need you to take care of yourself and then i had other 
my voice is telling me I'm worthless and I got to kill myself and like all this, but like zero question in my mind that shit was completely real, you know? It was completely fucking real. That's how my mom got off drugs. She said she saw a fucking demon in the mirror and it was her. And she's like, that's it. I'm fucking possessed. I'm done. She was on crank when I was a kid. I've heard stories like this. My dad says the same thing. And everybody who's had these experiences refer to these, uh, like the spiritual entities as the committee. I came up with the word Mm. the committee because you're like, you 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 find yourself asking these voices in your head, like, how does it work? You know? And like the, the, the consensus understanding that I got was that like, that like spiritual entities from like other dimensions are absolutely fucking fascinated with our experience. You know, like it's so it's like a, it's like a grand experiment that, um, that they're really fucking glued to, you know, they're really glued to, but the rules of the universe are that they cannot interfere with our free will. They that can't, they can't step in and, and manipulate the outcome of shit, yeah. you know? So they just have to kind of stand back and like, check it out, you know? It's a TV show at this point. Yeah. And, and, and when, uh, I think those rules get, get bent a little bit when, when we fuck around with drugs to mm-hmm. the point that like, we open ourselves up to all that. Yeah. But, uh, have you done DMT or the toad? Yeah, I think I got out before DMT was a thing. I <laughs> got <laughs> out. Thank God I got out before fentanyl. Oh, oh fuck, God. man. See, in my mind, there's such a distinction between fentanyl and all these like hard Well, I mean, dude, I like, watch all the YouTube videos and like they're all pretty clear that like fentanyl is uh, it's, it's an opiate similar to heroin, but 50 times stronger than heroin. It's a point one for fucking OD, man. People are dying off of nothing, barely. And a like, why bit. the fuck are they cutting fentanyl in with cocaine? Like, that's so. It's like, so stupid, killing all your fucking customers off. First off, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, I'm just thinking from. Uh, it man. doesn't make sense. It doesn't make yeah. sense. Why would you want to? It's, it's a wrong thing going it's on. Right now. I'm, so, I'm so I'm so grateful that I fucking got out, man. That I got badly mangled enough to have to like adopt. Like, okay, I gotta do this fucking shit that nobody who's was there. Me. Was there anything that helped you really get through it and turn into who you are now all these years later? I mean, like, the, what helped me get through it was just like you know getting enough clarity, allowing the fog to clear enough to see like what I had become, mm, you know, yeah. like I can't, it was like a vicious cycle of like, I would just like act the way I acted and I'd be so embarrassed and I would just like get loaded again. And then mm. like, then that would make me do more shit that like, I, I became a fucking is, pretty awful person. Is it hard and, for you to watch those? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's fucking, it's, it's, it's awful. If you check out this for that first book, I, I remember writing that first book mm. and like, Unlike the the documentary that they did about me, it was called Demise and Rise, this uh, MTV documentary about my downward spiral, which was gnarly. It was graphic as fuck. Yeah, but, the apartment was shit. That fucking documentary was nothing <laughs> compared to like in in the book because you've got like a book you can explain so much more. Mm. You know, you can go into so much greater detail. Do you do your own audibles? For the books? Um, you know, like the fucking publisher like screwed up my they scheduled it while I was on tour. And so I ended up like being able to do two chapters and then some oh, voice actors. But you kind of need, you need your voice. New, yeah, you need to explain right. I'll do I'll do the new one. I'll, yeah, do, I'll do I'll do the new one for sure. But um the uh 
when I was when I was like finishing up that first book, I was just like, "Fuck, dude, I'm gnarly, dude." Like, not even like, not even like, like I'm gnarly, like rad. Like I'm no. just. Fucked. You guys like, deal with me? Fuck. Like I, you know, like and not even like. I can't believe I'm alive, which the which is legit. It's legit true. Yeah. I can't believe I'm alive, but it's just like, dude, like not even like in a good sense, and not even like just for like from an objective point of view. I was just like, dude, I am fucking gnarly, you know, like. And, I watch uh, Laser Intense. Did yeah. You, did you still have your dad looking over your shit at that point? So you didn't like. I did. I did. Life? And 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 at that point when things got really ugly, like. Um, I I was able to dictate the terms of our relationship, you know, like dad was, uh, you know, like where the stunts initially like drove us apart and then starting with that real TV deal, the stunts actually served to bring us together, yeah. you know, they, and, and they've, they've developed this crazy bond between us and, and we had that bond and dad was very much in the loop with like the, the business side of my career, like copied on all the emails with the entertainment lawyers and the business managers. Nice. And dad was like, you know, we developed a very codependent relationship where dad was in charge of like my finance world you know like i now would never look at like anything from the accountant or the business manager and like dad would be organizing everything yeah. for tax that's, awesome. that's what he does you know? like, yeah. it's perfect it's awesome yeah. but it's also like he just fucking was handing me fish for years and years and like i didn't uh, know how to fucking work a fishing yeah. pole uh, <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah. like i was like yeah. dependent on dependent upon him in a scary way and then like as far as like with my money like what 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 we did was um like it was basically like half of the money that I allotted for investment went to my dad and the other half of it went to like like a legit like New York stockbroker guy who did oh, investments shit. and it was like set up to be like a a fun like competition between them to see who could like generate wow. more what a like they would be like kind of and it would be like it was like a playful bet you know like oh who made who who turned who made my money grow more you know between and i i paid zero fucking attention to any of it you know and so dad dad was involved in that and when things got really dark like i like dad was pretty good at just like not allowing himself to realize how bad shit was. You know, he kind of had like the, denial the roads thing. of denial going mm-hmm. on. Um, but, but, but he figured it out. And when he did, like if he ever tried to bring it up, it was just like anything to do with my lifestyle, my health, you know, drugs and alcohol. I was just like, Nope, we're not going there. We're not oh, having that. Interesting. You know, I dictated the terms. I'm not going to talk about that. This conversation's over if that's where you want to take it. Wow. And and I was able to dictate those terms because I wasn't like dependent on you know I like I, your I, own I, money. I didn't I didn't, depend, I didn't depend yeah. on dad for for money you know yeah, yeah. like. I could ostensibly cut ties with my dad and still like yeah. keep doing my thing. So he really had nothing he could do about that. And, mm. um, you know, and then, and then dude, I, so I get sober in March of 2008 and then fucking September of 2008, the fucking the financial collapse. Yeah. <laughs> and like, here's how fucking scary that was for me. Like, I'm 
I've been operating on like the assumption, the core belief that I would not make it to the age of 30. From like the age of eight. Just because you're so wild? Just, there's something about that default setting where I'm just, there's, I'm just defective. There's something fucking wrong with me. Just letting you cry, man. Like, and then like, you know, I don't know like what, like maybe that. And, and, and like the way that, the way that like I, I was just in the grips of drugs and alcohol and I didn't feel like I could ever stop. You know, so I was just going to drink and drug myself to death. Even if that wasn't the case, like long from back when I was in school, I could not bring myself to go to class. I could not keep a job. I, I could not do anything unless I I was passionate about the idea of doing it. Mm-hmm. Like that. in the yeah. absence of enthusiasm, I was crippled mm. to perform basic like functions, <laughs> you yeah, know, like totally know to perform <laughs> basic tasks yeah. for any human being. I was fucking crippled. And, and I maintain to this day that like as, as, as valuable as intelligence is, you know, as, as, as instrumental as discipline is, they they aren't shit compared to enthusiasm you know enthusiasm is the driver of success wow. you know That's like 100%. i've never heard anybody put it like that I, i've True. had people ask me like over the years you know ever since the beginning like how do you do this how do you do that like i want to be a stuntman or like whatever you know like you know i, I want to get into the like i don't give a fuck what anybody i want to fill in the blank. I don't care what it is you want. It doesn't matter what you want. This has been my advice to everybody for forever. It doesn't matter what you want. What, what matters is how bad you want it. Mm. You know, like it, like it, and, and, uh, remember my dad, I made a documentary about my, the early years leading up to my, my career beginning. Um, and, and I made that in like 2004, we shot everything in 2003. So 2003, we had an interview with my dad. And my dad said, when Steve puts his mind to it, there's nothing that he can't accomplish. The problem is that's a fairly narrow slice of the plot of the pie. <laughs> like, <laughs> that makes sense. Like what, what, what I, yeah. what I apply myself to, <laughs> what I put my mind to, what I'm enthusiastic to do has always been such a very narrow piece of like of, of you know so what niche. it takes to what yeah. it takes yeah. to navigate the world that I, I i grew up like not wrong that like when it came to performing basic tasks required for survival in the landscape of our society i was fucking crippled mm. i was not equipped with the basic survival skills to make, to take care of myself, to, to succeed on any level. And so I, I expected that I would fail miserably in life. I expected that I would die young. And, and as I grew older and, and even when I achieved like some kind of recognition and success, then all of a sudden it just transferred like the, you know, my addiction to drugs and alcohol got to it. I was like, Oh, that's going to kill me. You know, like there was just never a a view that I, that I had of my future, which, which 
allowed for me to live to see the age of 30. Mm. Do you- that, and then when I got sober in March of 2008, I was 33. And now, and, and, and up to that point, I never fucking paid any attention. I didn't know I wasn't saving for anything. Like I went through, I didn't even have a fucking ATM card for like the first like th- three years after Jackass came out. Shit. You know, like, yeah. like I just didn't, yeah. ca- I didn't care. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I, uh, I mean, maybe it was like two years. I don't even remember where I did. Like, I had some shady fucking, like, rave promoter guy acting as my manager. And he, like, like I would do all this old tour, like, the Don't Try This at Home tour. And I, a lot of it I'd get paid in cash. So, like, I didn't have to go to an yeah, ATM, yeah, yeah. you know? I, I didn't yeah. have to go to an ATM. I had, like, you know, plenty of cash from uh, from what I was earning with my, my personal appearances on tour. And, and I just fucking did drugs and I wasn't saving for anything and I didn't think I was going to live and just fucking, ah, you know, there was no planning, there was no saving, there was no paying attention to anything. And I knew that I was doing pretty well. You know, I had the vague sense that like, uh, you know, sometime I think in uh, 2002 or 2003, like I cracked a, like $2 million that, that I was worth or something mm-hmm. like coming from my business. I was like, no way, that means I'm a multi-millionaire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it's like one million, but now it's two. Yeah. That's multi. multi. Yeah, multi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember thinking that was a pretty big deal, but that was like, the, I didn't pay attention, I didn't care, and I thought everything was going to be fine. Mm. I thought I was going to be dead, so it wouldn't matter. Fuck, man. And then I get sober in, in March of 2008, and all of a sudden now it's like, oh, okay, like, now I'm, I'm like, now I'm turning my enthusiasm, my commitment, you know, to like, to, to not being the fucking douchebag that I've finally recognized that I had become. <laughs> mm. That's all I cared about. And... and and now in, in, in doing what, move, I will move whatever fucking mountain has to be moved. I will do whatever anybody suggests if I can just not be that fucking guy who I'm so humiliated and ashamed of having been. Mm. I don't want to be that guy anymore. And so now like, I'm, 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 that's all I cared about. And now I'm like, to do that, now I'm like taking care of myself. Now I'm like, and now I'm like, the, and, and most people would, most people would 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 meet like the the realization or the suggestion that they're not going to die soon and be like glad <laughs> most people would think like oh phew, that's good man i don't have to worry about that for me it was the complete fucking opposite because i'm like okay so i thought i was going to be dead like in no time now i'm faced with the most terrifying prospect that I might only be halfway through my life. Like now, like I could, I could be staring down the barrel of I've got to fucking figure out what to do with like what maybe fifty more. I'm going to live till I'm eighty, you know. And at the time, I was thirty three. Like so, you all know, the love from fans too. didn't didn't oh, change fuck that. Oh fuck no, fuck no. And especially because here's the really crazy part. 
right when it occurs to me that I might actually have to figure out how to feed myself for the next 50 years, when, mind you, the nature of my career was precarious at best. <laughs> On top of that, I had burned every bridge in my career. You know, as far as I was concerned, my earnings potential had run its course. Mm. You know, like I, I had, you know, I, I didn't know. I, I, like if I'm going to stay sober, I can't be a fucking egomaniac attention whore anymore. So, like, I don't even know if I can pursue a career, even if one's in the cards. Oh. You know, like, I don't even know if, if, I, if, if I can, if, I've, if I'm done earning money. And now I'm faced with maybe I'm going to live for 50 more years. Fuck. And I don't know how I'm going to survive. I don't know I'm, I'm, how I'm going to. And on top of that, come September, at the fucking financial crisis hit everything. My dad and the stockbroker had me all in the fucking stock market. And the stock market got fucking chopped like more than in half. I lost more than half of my savings. Holy I wasn't shit. even a millionaire anymore. You know, I wasn't even a millionaire anymore. I don't know, didn't know that I could fucking earn any more money. And now I'm going to fucking live for a long time. Like, what the fuck? What a combination, became, man. Yeah, it was a fucking. That's stressful, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. in one sense, it was like super terrifying. And in another sense, it was like I was back to all I got to worry about is my next meal. Mm. You know, like mm. there was something about that early, like early recovery where like. You know, I lived in a fucking halfway house until I had been sober for two full years. You know, like I had a fucking roommate and he snored. And mm. so when he snored, <laughs> I knew I could jack off and it would be quiet. <laughs> you know, yeah. like uh, yeah. life was simple. Yeah. <laughs> life was simple. <laughs> Wait for the snores. <laughs> yeah, the sweet sound of snoring, yeah. I called it. Oh, my God. So you lived in the halfway house for two years after that? I stayed in the halfway house until I had two years of sobriety. Yeah. That's amazing. We were shooting Jackass 3D. And, and I was like the, asking wow. for special permission to like like come to back after. Film? Were they so happy? Yeah. They had to be like. And I don't think anybody cared one way or the other. You oh, know, sure. like like alcohol is like the disease of alcoholism and drug addiction is like super not discriminate. You know, for sure. It doesn't fucking care if you're making a big shot movie or you know, yeah. or if you're living in a dumpster. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Um, real quick, I have a question for you. You got a whole list of questions. I didn't let you get to one of them. You, you, you explained so much of yeah. it. Yeah. You already went to so much. I've been just crossing them off. So for all the crazy shit you've done, you're afraid of bungee jumping and heights? Yeah. I so fucking hate it. How did you do the fucking dog shit porta potty? I, I did the dog shit. I was the dog shit porta potty guy because I've got that. Fear. fear of uh, bungee jumping. So they made you do this shit? Because that just means that I'm going to get the biggest reaction. I'm going to get okay. the biggest reaction. You know? Yeah, okay, I get it. Um, like, it, like it, There was an episode of Wild Boys, which we filmed, um, I think, in 2003, maybe 2004. Um, yeah, I think it was 2003. And, and uh, like they, they took, they, they're like, okay, we had a research department that would just like, you know, research different places. We go to this, like how many, what do they have to offer that we can film? And then we'd choose where we would go based on the places that had the most like, you know, content that we could shoot. Mm-hmm. And in Costa Rica, they had like this huge bridge with this bungee jumping operation. And like, that's pretty run of the mill and everybody goes bungee jumping, but they made it funny because they got our uh, prop master to build like, 
fucking like Icarus wings, you know, like actually with feathers and glue them all in. And like, you know, it was like maybe built with like crutches or something. So you hold the crutch yeah. and you've got these wings and it was going to be like, I'm going to fucking fly, you know, I'm going to jump <laughs> off the thing and I'm going to jump and try my ass off to, to flap the wings. And that was going to make it like a funny bit. So we go to the, uh, we like, we're, we're getting ready before we even go there. I said to him, I, I told him, I said, dude, it's like, Straight up, man. Like I, I'm always trying to be a badass. I'm, I'm, like, you, you could take like, like, the the cast of Road Rules or or uh, the Real World or like or any of their moms will be less afraid <laughs> of bungee jumping than I will be. You know, and and, and I, I kind of figured that out by like from my like jumping off of like rooftops. I started out on just like the first balcony up where I'm like only like 10 feet and I was like into the pool and then I'm going to climb onto the second balcony and then I'm climbing mm. on the third, you know, yeah. like, and then the roof, like, no. so it worked up gradually, you know? And, uh, I worked up gradually and I made it like, I always wanted to like create the perception that I was super gnarly and that I was risking death, you know, and like make it, but, but I always had my own approach where I was like pretty calculated and like really put effort into like, you know, preparing and yeah, like working, like working my way up. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, think people yeah. Real stunts. this is athletic yeah. shit. And, and I went through life for years looking at everything as for like, for its potential to, to jump off of it. Like everything, <laughs> like everything is just like, Oh, can yeah. I, can I jump off? Of it? So I would evaluate everything and, and around me and look at it. And like, through years of doing that, you know, I, I just, I, I was so close to the idea and so in the practice of, of evaluating like my potential for jumping off things that I, I reached a point where like, if I'm, there's no part of me could look off of a 200 foot bridge and, and I don't care what you tie to me. Like I'm, this is a problem that I have placed myself just too intimately like involved with. I'm just too intimately involved in evaluating jumping off of things for me to see anything doable about jumping off of a 200 foot Mm. bridge. Like I know more than anybody else not to jump off of a 200 foot bridge. So I don't give a fuck what you tie to me. I am way, I'm programmed to not do that. Same here. Yeah, same. And, and so, and, and they were like, oh, fuck it, we're just going to go there. They're thinking, whatever. Yeah. And, 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 and it was one of my temper tantrums. Like, I'm not fucking doing it, dude. I'm not fucking doing it. I said, I don't care what any of you guys say. I know that you're very persuasive. I know that, mm-hmm. like, this is your deal, and, and it's not going to work. I'm not fucking jumping. Was there a that. lot of times you had to, like, stand up and say no to bits? Not too many times, and they, and and the, 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 they can never they never force you into doing it. We're all attention whores. We want the footage, you yeah, know. Yeah. Like they always say, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's great, you know. You don't get the footage. But in this case, I couldn't. I said, I I cannot. Like I will. I physically cannot. I physically cannot look off a two hundred foot bridge and jump. And there's no way I can do it. Like I'm I, I'm not I'm not doing you, it. And I can't even. I don't even have the choice to do it. I cannot do your it. Brain tells you. Don't. So, I, so, I, so I just go into the fucking van, you know, and I'm just like, okay, dude, we can, we can leave now because it's not going to happen. And then the, the one producer comes over and he goes, okay, I've got, 
you don't have to jump. We're not going to try to make you jump. But 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 I've got five Costa Rican locals who are willing to pick you up and throw you. They call oh, it, shit. Like a, they, 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 they call it a mafia toss. Oh, <laughs> shit. And I was like, I was like, I was like, okay, well, in that case, I don't have to jump. <laughs> you know, wow. like, I don't have to, I don't have to, because I couldn't bring myself to jump. That's all it took. But if they're just going to pick me up and throw me, and there's Ooh. nothing I can do, I don't have to do anything. Wow. So I let a mafia toss me. Jeez. And I just, like, my whole body was just a fucking fist. And, like, <sighs> and I hate it, dude. I don't yeah. fucking like it. I'm working on a video where I'm like, you know, you would not, you won't believe what my biggest fear is. Like, you know, like <laughs> roller coasters. Same <laughs> fucking terrified i will not I get fucking them. hate them i hate them so fucking violently and it's i think that it's like what like maybe with the roller coasters like again i'm too close to the problem like i know like what's a natural amount of time to be weightless like free falling mm. oh, like wow. uh i'm not okay with extending yeah. that <laughs> you know like uh, and i'm not okay with not being uh you know, like I don't know, man. I feel I you, hundred percent. My girl loves, it. dude. How she just went bungee jumping too? <laughs> Fuck that. I, I find I'm making a video about like confronting all this, and I and I did like bring myself to jump off of uh, the big, the tallest commercial bungee jump operation in the world, which is in South Africa. You just went hard, yeah. as it hard was, as you could. <laughs> it was, and dude, like for for the closer for my tour. And I should be promoting this too because I'm going on a tour soon. It's my bucket list tour where I've been doing stand-up comedy for, you know, 11 years. But over the course of time, it's, it's with each special that I've filmed, it's, it's become like, the first one was just straight stand-up and I did some stunts on stage. Guilty as charged. That was guilty as charged. That was really one. awesome. Oh, thanks, I loved man. it, really did. It was like I, a, a play. I, I appreciate that a lot. I feel like it, like I would I would cringe to watch it because no, I it's still, great. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. And then I had my second one where I was putting together that second show. I was like, oh man, I'm telling all these stories, you know, these these craziest stories, and like there's like almost for all of it, like there's footage to back up all those stories. I'm telling. Mm -hmm. I was like, what if I put out a, a comedy special yeah. where you see me telling the stand up, but I edit in the footage sure. of the stories I'm telling, like actually well, illustrating like, it. Yeah. I'm like, dude, multimedia stand up comedy. This is fucking insane. Mm -hmm. yep. And, uh, and it worked so well. And that was my second comedy special gnarly. And then when I came to put together my third, like when you taped yourself. Yeah. Up on? Okay, um, okay. Then when I put together my third show, which is the one I'm doing now, like, I was self-conscious, you know, I was, I don't want to say shame, I was self-conscious of the fact that my gnarly, that that whole tour, that that whole show was, was like living in the past, you know, I was telling my craziest old stories, but I felt myself turning into the kind of guy who won't shut up about what he used to be able to bench press when he was in high school, yeah. <laughs> you know, like living in the past felt distinctly depressing to yeah. me. And I was like, okay, like I don't want to live in the past, but I love the multimedia thing. So for my next show, and this is the show that I'm touring with now called The Bucket List, I thought, let me fucking do like all new shit and and make uh, the act about that and incorporate the footage into the act. And I was like, I knew exactly what to Please. do. I knew exactly what to fucking do because like, 
I, I just right away I called it the bucket list. So right now I'm on the bucket list tour. When does that start? I mean, it's been it's been going. It's it's been resumed since uh, August. Oh, you went uh, back on. Back on since August, and so much sicker now, dude. And um, I've got shows coming up in New Orleans, Atlanta, Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, Denver. Um, I saw a Fresno on that list, too. For, for, yeah, like it's booked out till yeah. February. So by all means, check out stevo.com and, and uh, see my website or my tour dates. But um, like the, the, so the bucket list, I just knew right away because I've had like these, these ideas that I'd had forever and like zero intention of doing them. And one of them involves skydiving. And here I'm like fucking terrified of roller coasters and bungee out. jumping. Dude, I never wanted to go skydiving, not for the fucking one second. And the way that I kind of got out of it, the way that I like, like, you, you know, did it. Well, yeah, this is the thing, dude, like going back like 20 years, skydiving, whenever it came up, I was like, oh, no, dude, fucking, I'm, I'm not fucking skydiving. That's not gnarly, dude. That's not fucking, everybody does fucking skydiving, you know? That's your way I, out of it. I'm not, that's my way out of it. <laughs> yeah. That's my way out of it. I think so, that's cool. So to, to, to further solidify my way out of it, I would say everybody goes skydiving, fucking, no way, dude, that's lame. I said, if I ever go skydiving, I, like, because the first time you do it, you've got to have a guy strapped to your back. I said, I'm going to be fucking butt-ass naked <laughs> with a dude strapped to my back, and I'm just going to be fucking straight furiously jacking off. <laughs> and I'm going to fucking... And I'm gonna fucking jack off, and I'm gonna fucking uh -huh. blow a load. But like, oh, but I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna time it so that like I'm, I'm actually blowing a load, falling out of the airplane. That's my. That's like, and I call the idea skyjacking. Wow. And I fucking did it. So if you come, if you come see me on the bucket list tour, you're gonna get. You're gonna, dude. I have ten videos like that play intermittent. Like after every bit in the show, I screen the footage of like the and and every bit is so over the top. Like it's so outrageous yeah. to tell the story of it that it's like funny for stand up. And then after every bit, now you're gonna see the footage that I, that yeah, yeah. I just explained. Me jacking and, off, guys, right? Look and, yeah, and dude, you see, you see a lot of my cock, dude. Nice. You want like uh, you got the the vasectomy Olympics because not only did they do the vasectomy where they cut the vast deference, but now I'm going to fucking go horseback riding, bareback, fucking galloping Stop. with my balls Stop. bouncing up and down on Stop. the horse. You go so hard, but man. But the fucking vasectomy Olympics is is the vasectomy <laughs> Olympics. <laughs> it's absolutely a, a insane. Oh. I got I got like um. The anesthesia bike ride with general anesthesia drugs coming into an IV while I'm on, while I'm hauling ass on a bicycle. <laughs> so you start to I, lose. It's so fucking. It, it's so fucking illegal. I got I got medical professionals doing straight illegal ass shit. Like, I got a fucking doctor who he he puts a four inch needle into my spine and injects a drug into my spine, which just fucking paralyzes me. From the waist down, it actually paralyzed me, like from the waist up too, which wasn't supposed to happen. But that happened while I was fucking sprinting <laughs> with my hands handcuffed behind my back. <laughs> what the shut fuck? you off? Like that's the level of the bucket list. Let's say these are ultimate. Wow. These that are all, sounds like, they, like, intense. Like all, and it's it's like the footage is is just so x-rated it's so fucking illegal it's so gnarly and like and and it, it's exclusive to the tour do you have so, la shows oh yeah i love that have, what? have any la shows 
Um, Dude, he's I got. Just, I just did Brea. They, they've got you on the road doing theaters through November, through February, literally damn near every day. Like, not every day. The first, at all. second, third, not, fourth. There's a lot, so many shows. He's all over the place. And, bro, dude, and I love it. I love the, the homeboy said theater because, dude, I was grinding in comedy oh, clubs I understand. for 11 years. Hell yeah. And I just fucking graduated to theaters. Congrats, man. That's, that's, that's huge. Deal, dude. A theater comic is a whole nother and, fucking and, and, level. And, I, and, and it was, we started to film the fourth Jackass movie. We were like, we got one week into it. During that week, that first week of, of principal of photography, I'm on the set and I get the call from my agent and he's like, congratulations, dude. You're selling out your comedy club dates like so far in advance of the comedy club. It just does not make sense to entertain any more offers from comedy clubs. Let's go. So congratulations, dude. Fuck You're yeah. a theater actor. Yeah, man. Congrats. I, I, I fucking hang, I hang up that call and I'm like, I'm on the set of Jackass Forever. I just graduated from theaters. I'm like, fucking dude, I've been, dude, I'm fucking going into a heyday. And then the following Monday, <laughs> fucking coronavirus yep. shut down the yep. fucking movie. Oh. It's shut down the tour. Yep. Oh. And, uh, and, and, and I, I, I was like, I was pretty butthurt about that, but like, but thank God that happened because I was straight touring myself to death. And back mm. in the comedy club days, like, dude, it was like every gig meant, doing the show like five times four five or six times you know twice a night like nope. i mean dude it's Ooh, gnarly thursday friday saturday Sunday, yeah, yeah. And same then, show and back like, to back yeah you know the comedy club yeah, yeah he scene. he's on the comedy scene it's gnarly man and, and fucking and, and and i was here that, that same like gripped my fear about like fuck dude, i'm gonna be alive for another 50 years like <laughs> It's like you know, waking up like, for school on Monday. Like, I got to do this again tomorrow. Dude, I got to hurry. Like, I don't want to be yeah. ten. I don't want to be ten years from now doing the same and shit. think and think. Fuck! Why, why didn't I hustle and and yeah. uh, make all the money I could make doing stand up? But that's not a bad. That sense of desperation is what you're supposed sure. to. Have. It's a driving for, for sure. Motivation. For sure. But but thank God the the coronavirus came along to force me to take a break from touring. Because otherwise, that. I never would have given myself a break. Did you come back with a whole new set, though? Dude, I, I never would have given myself a break. And, and did I come back with a whole new set? Not a whole new set, but uh, but I, I, I threw out some, yep. some bits, and I added some, some, some bits. Like, I came, I came back with a fucking dramatically improved yeah. version nice. of, the, of the bucket list tour with a bunch more footage. And, um, and more importantly, I never would have given myself a break from touring. Coronavirus forced me to take a break from touring, and during that break, like I, I started my own podcast, you know, oh, yeah. the, the the Wild, Wild Ride, Ride podcast, and, and that's been fucking, it's been huge, man. Like, there's so much to be said for a, for being a, a creative person, like a creator, and not living in a Groundhog's Day mm -hmm. of redundantly performing the same, same shit oh, over God. and over. Whether that means like the redundantly going to the airport to go on a plane, yeah. to go to the fucking radio station, to go to the show, to go fucking repeat the whole monotony. thing. Like it's, it's monotony. And, and, and I maintain that any comic on the comedy circuit who tells you that, that they're a passion, that they love the fucking groundhog's day life of a touring comic. Road dogs. 
this is a line from my new book. Like if any comic who says they love the Groundhog's Day lifestyle of the comedy circuit is either lying or considerably more mentally ill than I am. Mm. <laughs> that makes sense. Because it's such a, it's, you know, and I know it's a shitty fucking thing to say for all the thousands of comics there are slugging it away, fucking grinding away, wishing they could be a headliner mm. and just performing comedy tirelessly yes. for no money. Yes. And I get it that like to bitch about the the lifestyle of the the headliner traveling you know, fucking sucks though just traveling over sucks every too. weekend the same the set. show is one percent of that it, fucking job monotony. yeah it's not like and then when and then when the dude when the fucking with the table talk and the they like i lose my shit dude. yeah i bet like you know if somebody's fucking being loud and disruptive talking at the table and, and ruining it for everyone else like wait a second dude, you are you're serving as an obstacle between me yes. and, and the dissemination of my mm. art mm. and you that is not okay yeah. Yeah. you know it's yeah. funny man I could it, see you being hell for a fucking heckler <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck dude it, uh, it, 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 you been, like all, all of those experiences like uh, pile up and pile up and then you've just got the fucking straw that broke the camel's yep. back and you'll just fucking Snap lose it lose it on a guy and his wife let you yeah. fucking listen here man I take what I'm doing if you're really fucking seriously you fucking asshole <laughs> you gotta be a dick for you to call somebody an asshole though I mean whatever that person's gotta be a fucking beat you get dick. drunk assholes at comedy shows oh bro I've seen my, it. my crowd drinks yeah. so much yeah Ooh, so crazy the sober guy like I'm constantly that's hearing, hilarious you're the sober guy Wow. Yeah, dude, I always hear like, oh man, like, you know, we broke a record selling beers at the Steve O show. <laughs> Not for me. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Uh, before we get out of here, um, last we thing. Did, you said an hour and a half. We did two and a half. Did we really? I mean, closer to it. I, I pride myself on being man. a pretty good podcast guest. Well, dude, the stories just flow, man. And well, thanks, that's what man. we want to hear. Um, and dude, I, like anybody, I, I love to do this after I feel like you know I recorded a podcast with people who was where it was like a good one. I think this really was a good podcast. Um, and I say this a lot to to the listeners of my own podcast. You know, like if you're hearing me say this now, you know, in this case, like close to two and a half hours, you've you've hung in there. And like, and, and that's such a big deal that, you know, like we know from looking at our analytics, like the retention fucking falls off a cliff, you know, like you've got like a, a, a rather small percentage that oh, really crowd. hang in this there. This crowd stays 90%. Yeah. Dude, that's insane. And congrats to you for that. And they're going to, they've. They're gonna love this man. And I think I oh, think yeah. that, that I think we provided a, a compelling. Oh, yeah. I don't think we oh, had a lot of lows. Sure, no, you know, no. a compelling listen, to, you know, for, throughout. And to the people who did stick around this long, for starters, I'd like to say thank you. Oh yeah, thank and for being for, in the live chat. We do a live oh. chat for every show, oh, and they stay the whole fucking time. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's, 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 it's it, like, that's kind of like commitment and like being the attention whore that I am like, like, like having, ha having kept your attention for two and a half hours, like yeah. to everybody, like, like that, that, that is the sustenance of my soul. But now you know? it's really with your, it's with your thoughts. It's not just your crazy that's shit. You. Sure. Yeah. It's sure. you. That's it's, the uh, and, and that's the other thing too, that, that it's, it's, uh, it's something that I'm, I'm super grateful for. 
like because I think that the general like perception of Steve, oh, this fucking thoughtless, reckless, fucking crazy maniac is probably nuts. He's probably addictive, you know. Like, and and I think that it, it's surprising to most people to learn that I'm considerably more thoughtful than 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 my my actions, my behavior mm-hmm. would suggest. Sure, you know, it's so, contrast though. Right, and so for everybody who's 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 so generously given me their attention for the last two and a half hours. Oh, like yeah. now, like it, it's, it's, it's fulfilling, you know, and meaningful, like to, to have communicated to them, like more like who I really am, yes, you know, yeah. like I think that there's a, a level of intimacy in, in, uh, in, in a relationship that I have with these listeners now, totally. you know? And, and so I, I just can't say enough like the extent to which I'm grateful for for this opportunity to to communicate to these people and and from what you tell me you've got some uh, a substantial audience they I fucking I, love you guys I ta- I know these people's names are in the chat every single week every video every cool. post every DM every everything and, and I and I said it before too like that you know I. I I care about communicating and, and communicating in a way that's compelling and, you know, that's really about it. But, but like even maybe inspiring because I've been such oh, yeah. a fucking train wreck, you know, like such a train wreck and, and, uh, on the leaderboard of celebrity death pool, <laughs> you know, like, oh, like, uh, oh, the, you know, the, the, for me to have pulled myself out, of yeah. like really the jaws of death, oh, you know, and like, fun. and, 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 and managed to survive a, but, but also to reinvent myself and to evolve exactly. into, uh, you know, someone with like, where I've, like I've learned from my life experiences and stuff. And, and so I don't know. I just think that, um, I, and, and, and I'm, uh, two days ago I delivered that fucking new book. I talked to Knoxville about it today. That shit's going to come out not until, um, September. Oh, wait, sorry, not sorry. Spring. I was looking for an S. Twenty twenty two. Spring of twenty twenty two, which is crazy because Jackass Forever will come out in February, and then who knows? This will come out maybe the next month, mm-hmm. like March That's or April. Big shit, man. Yeah. So God, That's I want this so to be cool. a fucking number one New York Times bestseller. Oh yeah. Well, we'll fucking leave the links to so, everything on. So you yeah. For sure. So so if if, um, if if you can do this, the people listening, and thank you, and by the way, thank you, and now let me ask for for something. It's like <laughs> I'm not; it's not lost to me that that's douchey, but I believe it's it's I believe in what what I'm saying about my first book that for for you guys to pick up a copy signed by hand, and I'm careful to make my signature. It's actually a, a dick, like the you make it a dick, is a, like a yeah, dude, you got to see my dick. <laughs> So yeah, check it out. But go, but go to stevo.com and get a hand-signed copy of Professional Idiot. It's the juiciest fucking book of sex, drugs, and rock and roll and just absolute mayhem. It's not going it's, to... It's, Dave England told me the other day I was, I was at his house. Dave England from Jackass. He's like, man, because I told him I was working on my book, my new book. And he goes, dude, your first book? He says, ah... Uh, you know, I I've, I thought, fuck, man. You know, it's Stevo. Like, I I fucking feel obligated. I gotta fucking like fight through it because he's my bro. I just gotta like, I have to do it. He said I was not at all prepared for 
it to be impossible to put down. Whoa. Like, that was, nice. like, like, high nice. praise. I was like, dude, Dave. She's from your friends, man. Yeah. He's like, dude, I'm, I'm being completely honest. I expected it to be fucking work and a hassle to get through, which I had to do because you're my bro. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't put it down. It was so fucking. It's the best review you can get. Seriously, for the for people Tommy you care Lee, about. Just, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue yeah. on the cover, he says, this is the perfect book for people who hate reading. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's like TMZ level reading you're a molly <laughs> crew fucking fan too yeah. i know that yeah dude, and that's molly epic crew. for tommy like yeah. a good job so in any case man like um if for nothing else just to have it like uh get that book but but to get that book knowing that the next one's coming oh yeah and the next one is like i, I won't say the main title but it's 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 uh what i've learned from a lifetime of terrible decisions mm. and um and like it, and it's, uh, it's relatable. I, I, I let that shit fucking rip, dude. Like the shit that, uh, the shit Knoxville said, like, leave the bukkake out of the first book. I was like, dude, if you thought the bukkake in the first book was fucking edgy, if you thought that was edgy, dude, fucking Get ready. You know, throw on a helmet before you read this one. Well, yeah. um, well, before... Oh, uh, and shoot a tweet. That's what I like to say. If, if you're still listening, fucking sh shoot a tweet with me, like with my handle in it so that I see it, saying I made it to the end Let's of uh, the Dope As Usual podcast. And thank you guys again for not smoking out the room. Of course, man. I... I I, uh, I know, know if I people don't yammering. smoke. Uh, you know I wouldn't shut up because I didn't finish my coffee. <laughs> You're all right. You're all right. But the one thing I wanted to say is I've seen it in many things you've said. The only thing I want to do in my life is be a crazy famous stuntman and everybody fucking love it. And congratulations, sure, man. That's exactly Thanks, that's exactly man. what it is. Yeah, it's gnarly. It, it, it's gnarly. It's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much, you guys. Yeah. Thank you for sitting through this. I fucking love you guys for being in the chat still. Thank you guys, Steve-O. Thank you so much for being oh, here. Oh, wait, they're in the chat now? No, no. Oh. I just say it because I know I'm in the chat with them while I watch it every week. So, oh, dude, dude that's crazy. It's it's a, it's a so, long so, time. So, so that means that you are... I'm talking to every single person while and, they're... And you're playing it back. Yeah, well, we we edit it, drop it Monday, and YouTube does that premiere. So right, we're right. in the live chat while it while it drops till it's over. Wow, that's it's a, fun. Maybe I should do that. You sh you Dude, know you know people would lose their fucking mind if you we did that. Do, here's the thing, and for practical purposes, like this is the most professional fucking thing. If you do stand up and you're a podcaster, then you gotta know. I think that the overwhelming majority of stand ups cannot fucking bear. To to watch video of them performing stand up, yes. super. It is insecure. the most agonizing, yeah. excruciatingly <laughs> uncomfortable thing to watch video of your own stand up performance. Mm -hmm. It's just utterly demoralizing and and just it, it makes you question everything that you're about. You're like, I'm just not fucking. <laughs> I totally get it, bro. Yeah, I edit myself, so I'm like. Come on, man. Right. What the fuck's wrong with you as I'm but, editing myself? And, and that's, oh. where, that's where I was at. I would film the occasional show when I first started doing stand-up. But if I tried to watch it, man, it was fucking hard. And I really resisted everything about watching that. Yeah. And, and uh, it turns out that to watch your footage of your stand-up is the most productive, the most 
like oh, it's like a football player watching game film. Exactly, it's footage. It's, it's way bigger and better than that. I think. Well, I, I think, think even your body movement. And, and and where I where I got incredibly lucky was that I had that that little fucking light bulb go off, and I thought, what if I edited my footage into my stand up? And as soon as I came up with that idea, while I was putting together that second show. I was so jazzed about it. I absolutely could not fucking wait. And in short order, I started recording my my performances, loading them up into the computer myself, nice. and then p- dropping the footage into the timeline and yep. syncing it all yep. up. And I found two things. Number one, uh, it worked. Like, it fucking worked. I'm telling the most outrageous, fucking implausible, and like impossible to believe stories. And... Now I'm dropping in footage that that backs them up and verifies it. So like that's crazy because the fact that the stories are true and then there's proof that they're true and it just makes the jokes even funnier. Like it it just it was like bringing these two worlds. I was in the stand up world at that point and I was in the video and I brought my world. My worlds came together in this powerful fucking like and by the fact that it worked meant that I had to keep doing it. And I kept the timeline, but mm-hmm. but but I and and the, watching the footage of me performing the stand up made me cringe. It was agonizing. It was like fuck ah, and and uh, and I simply addressed the fucking things that made me cringe. Mm-hmm. Like there was this there's this common insecurity in stand up where you'll do like a little fucking fake laugh at mm-hmm. your own joke and like. It's almost like, I guess some people, it, it works, but like I, I would do that. Oh. I, that. That was my biggest thing on mm. Guilty as Charged, that I would like put a little fake laugh behind yeah, like my again, own joke. And again, and again. Yeah. And, and like, ah, you know, like, it's just, it, that's just straight insecurity. It's like trying to tell yourself that it's funny, where like, mm. If it's funny, it's funny. You yeah. know, like I don't have to fucking laugh at my own joke. Yeah. And like that's like a, just a one example of like the many fucking the myriad totally. things which I would by studying it able to address the thing. And then I would be like, I'd be like, okay, cool, man. I'm gonna go fucking work on this, and I'm gonna go fucking film that show. And now I'm just gonna delete out the yeah. like all the interstitial clips are on a higher fucking uh, you know Where? level. I'm going to delete out the fucking sh- the performance for it and then I'm going to bring in the new one and I'm going to move it yep. with the tinker and move it all yeah. around and line it up and I'm going to study that again you know okay. and in studying it like dude exponential fucking growth mm-hmm. as a performer in stand up and and I say that because when you talked about your in the live chat I just dude I, t- I recorded my first podcast with Tony Hawk and and fucking I remember coming awesome I, I, I came that out of that. I thought, oh my God, dude, that was our first podcast. And if any podcasts we do after that are that good, I'm going to fucking freak out. Like, wow. And, uh, and I told the guy, like, I, I'm an independent, I'm not with a network, but I've got a guy who sells my ads. And I was just like, dude, you got to listen to this fucking podcast before we put it up. Got to listen to this podcast. How dope is it? And he's like, why don't, why don't we get together and uh, and play it back, you know, together, you know? Now, he's already watched it. Now he's going to want to, he wants to watch it again. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, and I was like, oh, all right. Like, this is dope. Right? And he's like, we'll watch it. And he's like, 
Sure, he didn't, he, and, and, and the point that he made when we watched it back, and by the way, I, it was a very different experience from when I was recording it with Tony Hawk, thinking, man, this is going so great. And then all of a sudden, now I'm watching it back, and I'm like, ooh. Oh, you know, that's the like, worst. it what, like, and I was like, fuck. And, and and my podcast guy made the point. He said, here you've got this fucking icon. You've got Tony Hawk, the fucking most famous skateboarder ever to live. And like, you sucked all the oxygen out of the van and fucking like didn't let him fucking. That's my biggest I was, thing. I had to critique myself. I'm like, am I talking over motherfuckers right now? This is the one I went, do not talk over anybody. <laughs> That's I, mean, I just trying to seem like, just listen. Like, I, 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 I tried. You did, you, did, you did great. And 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 here I sucked all the oxygen out of this room and like you guys let me do it. And I think that like if 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 I was communicating poorly or if it was like, you know, then then you would probably be able to like in, in interject and kind of reel it back in and keep it on track. But I don't think you had to do that. No, yeah. Um, I so I think we, we did that very well. It's very different from being a podcast guest where it's okay for me to just yeah, exactly. do what I'm doing compared to being a podcast host. Yep. And, and, and it's been a real struggle for me to, to grow as the podcast host and not suck all, like suck all the oxygen out and then fucking not yeah. let people talk, talk over them, interrupt them. I'm like, so glad you said that, man. I've been struggling with that <laughs> shit for about four, five months now, just trying. Here's the same fucking thing as with the, the stand-up. It was, it was a virtue of necessity that I had to study the footage in order to edit in the interstitial shots to illustrate the footage. And that sure. forced me to do what I hated doing the most, which was play back and study my own stand-up. In, in doing that, I, I progressed at an exponentially faster rate and just improved as a performer. And, and I did play back that Tony Hawk episode and, and, you know, like got super motivated to grow as a host, but frankly, and I'm admitting this, like I haven't had the stomach to play back podcasts. Oh. I know that I, I just know that it would, but here's like, this is the, the, I think this is the, if I, the podcast will perform better if I'm in a live chat on a premiere. That, and it's just. And by the virtue of being in the live chat on the premiere, once again, I will be now forcing myself watch back. to watch it back and study it and, and address the, the concerns that with I have. Live to, feedback. With, yo, <laughs> with live with feedback. With live feedback. Because I'm literally talking to people. Hey, man, you're talking to them. Like, yeah, shit. Dude, that's like a goosebump fucking it's moment. It's good, though. I'm going to probably like reference that like mm. that's that's where because I'm, I'm on podcast number i think today we recorded number 82 oh no shit how do you do every week yeah we do it once a week and I, I started when the pandemic shut down when does it drop uh thursdays every thursday and, and it's thursday at eight in the morning but now it's gonna have to move to a later time. Well, I'll tell you what, I work with a lot of big comics and podcasters and stuff yeah. I have in my career. I always try to explain this model to them because it's so important to why his fans are so dedicated yeah. long term and why it keeps going up. Like his run is 
10 years long and just getting started exactly because of his relationship with his fans because he communicates with them he talks to them he goes live he does premieres I got David Cho going live tomorrow oh shit bro nice. come on that's yeah. epic are you kidding me be I in that live David fucking Cho. chat do it for five minutes dude some else. of the fucking guests that I've had on my podcast are yeah. they're epic oh, yeah. I've, seen, I've seen it I've watched it I follow it yeah. come on man I've seen oh, yeah. you, you had fucking Chong on recently Be Real's here next week actually oh, oh dude, shit should I have said that yeah Anyway, yeah, he's on here next week. Um, yeah, your dude, guests are just stacking, man. man. Dude, Beat Real is good. He, he's fucking cool, man. Like, he, he's one of these, like, iconic fucking, like, legend status people who is just doesn't think he's better than you. Mm, you know, like, awesome. that, that's fucking, that's a big deal, man. But, yeah, yeah I think you guys just... Got me to step up my game because because it's it's like a little black cloud that follows me around where I'm ashamed of it. Like man, I would don't become, embrace that shit. I would I would be I would be a better podcast host. I would be a better performer if I was studying yeah. my performances. But it makes me uncomfortable the idea of doing oh, that. So I'm going yeah. to avoid doing that. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm just by not doing that, I'm going to be uncomfortable about yeah. the fact that I'm not doing that. And that's just gonna like mm -hmm. add to my anxiety. Have you read and, The War of Art by <coughs> Stephen Pressfield? No. Oh my God! Please, please listen or read it. He describes everything that he describes what you're talking about as resistance and that everybody faces resistance, especially the artist and all the different ways it manifests. And the whole book is about conquering your own resistance, which yeah. is like you've brought up a lot in this. Yeah, it sounds great, man. And I just got done with the book, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really fucking making a book. Is a fucking shit ton of work. Oh, yeah. I, I, know. I, I mean, and, and now and it's the same co-author that I did the new book as I did the first book with, which I'm just stoked on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, again, it's been 10 years in between mm -hmm. books, been more, it's more like 11. And, uh, in the, in those 11 years, homeboys written book after book after book. And like on this one, I was, mm -hmm. I was, because dude, like I, I'm, I'm a fucking psycho. Yeah. Once I'm into it, like yeah. I'm like, like strikes through highlight it red it's gone yeah. and then what's what's going in is like all caps highlighted yep. green it's going in yeah. and then just a note from me to to the author is highlighted orange that you just mm -hmm. like to to keep them up and like these fucking chapters are so read it out out of green this is so gnarly and i'm like to the writer on the phone i'm like for all the books you've written like does does anybody like who's been a subject of one of your books has anybody been even close to as meticulous yeah. as as I've been in in the in the revision yeah, process yeah. and he's like yeah no one Love no that. one near that's <laughs> no good near. though man yeah and because dude, you got to imagine too like a bunch I want to know there's no way of really knowing but I, I would love to know out of like out of in, in the, the 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 world of of memoir like celebrity memoirs like written with with co-writers you know or ghostwriters whatever like who who like just didn't even fucking put any work totally. in there. <laughs> you know, like Probably most. Prime right, Carrie yeah, and like and, and like maybe they don't even know what's in there. So that <laughs> make me look at sixty percent of them, man. Yeah, probably most. Come on, you know yeah. that. It's I, mean, I don't so know, many. dude. I mean, dude, my my guy's fucking rad, too, dude. My like, 
he doesn't get everything right, you know, but like he's he's just like, okay, now I'm gonna just try and crawl in your head and like in yeah. some cases I'm just gonna mm-hmm. fucking throw it at the wall. Perfect. Yeah. And like uh and and some of the shit he didn't get right at all and I rewrote it. Mm-hmm. And some of the shit fucking blew my mind. Some of the shit fucking blew my mind. Excited, man. It'd be yeah. sick if you filmed, like if you do the Audible version. I did this for my book, and then you film yourself reading, reading it. it. So right. now you have a video yeah. version also. It's, of the, it's just, yeah, it's cool just, idea. it's just a cool. Video version. Just have a camera right there just while you do the audio. Put out clips now. Now you got some clips to put out for your clips book. channel. Damn. How I made my book. Yeah. Audio it's version. Really interesting idea, man. I fucking love it. Yeah, it's good, man. Um, All right, dude. Yeah. So shoot the tweet, guys. Fucking uh, tweet if you made it. We're, we're like, we're, we're over we're deep. Yeah, we're deep now. <laughs> What's your longest podcast you've done? Uh, four something. With his mom. Four hours. Oh, yeah, with my mom. Yeah, with his mom. Wow. <laughs> She's wild as fuck. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Well, hey, man, it's been, it's been a pleasure. And, thank and you thank so much. Thank you for that, dude. I, would, uh, I think I'm going to fucking, I'm going to, I've got David Cho scheduled. I'm going to fucking change the schedule. I'm going to take an hour of my time to be in a live chat. That's I'm it. to the performance of the fucking. Your fans are going to love that, it. And, you know, it's every person is going to go to sleep. It's going to put rocket ship on the, the, the performance of the podcast. Yeah. And, and it's monetized, too. We could talk about that more, but it's monetized. Yeah, I'll give too. you some tips for you uh, off here. There's there's so much you could do with just being there. And not even that. Every person is going to go to sleep going, Steve will fucking comment it back to me in the live chat. That's the real thing. And that's makes the thing that fucking makes everybody's day. fucking day. Because when I was a kid, if Brett Favre would have said some shit, like, Brett Favre said some shit to me. Here's, here's what a fucking neurotic fucking psycho I am. I'm going to be like, these fucking people are too busy fucking typing. They're not fucking hearing. What is me right now? You're not listening because you're with typing. The, with all the fucking multitasking going on over here, they're not fucking getting yeah. it. No, they Shut will. the fuck up. They will, man. Guys, everybody stop typing and just listen. <laughs> you got it, man. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's like when I'm uh, like, like when people are responding to my tweets while I'm tweeting during the UFC fights. I'm like, dude, what are you fucking not watching the fights? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not banging up like so I can keep watching. Uh-huh. Yeah, That's dude. Funny. It's crazy, man. Yeah, you guys are the best. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it, Steve. Guys, thank you so much. Dope as usual podcast. Have a dope-ass day. Let's go. All right. Damn, that was way long. Fuck yeah. Good shit. Thanks.